Howdy, Sifters, and welcome to Game Face, episode 330 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the next couple hours of intense game discussion, and most importantly, today is Valentine's Day. But more importantly than that, <laughs> it's also Matt's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you. Going to do anything special to celebrate? Uh, no, just turning late 40s. Yeah, well, I'll give you a round of applause for making it. A lot of people, when they get to our age, they don't like to uh, go up another year. But uh, with all the things that have happened with my friends over the last 10 years, I am just thankful to make it to another year because a lot of people don't make it. So Yeah, I'll always take another year. Me too. Yeah, a lot of people complain, oh, I don't want to get old, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. Beats the alternative. Yep, it sure does. Like, <laughs> And obviously, one of my best friends just passed here in the last couple of weeks and uh, puts it all in perspective for me as well. So happy birthday, Matt. I hope you have a great day. Glad to have you around for another year, another trip around the sun. Um, hope you guys are doing great. Hope you guys have plans for Valentine's Day or Valentine's evening tonight. Um, you going out on any dates, Matt? No, I'm no? Stay, staying in this one. I learned long ago to not go out on my birthday. I am I am just preparing right now for it to take me about an hour and a half to get home from here. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, well, at least you're going against the... The commute valentine's day just so you know is literally the worst traffic day of the year in los angeles certainly it is in the evening a yeah. nightmare the whole city is just gridlocked you can't get mm -hmm. anywhere and by the time i wrap everything up here trying to get to the reservations that people made three months ago yeah yeah and i don't even i'm like you i don't even go out for valentine's day anymore because it's just a total cluster mm -hmm. there's just people everywhere all the restaurants are like prefix where you have to spend like yeah 150 per plate for food that you may not can, even like it's the only way they can handle the the crowd yeah it's 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 amazing it's, yep like, do it once in L.A. to, to see why you should never do it, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be kicking it. Usually what my wife and I do is we go out the following weekend and have a nice dinner to celebrate uh, Valentine's Day. That's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So probably where you guys live, it's easy to go out. San Francisco was kind of like this, too, though. Yeah, I mean, cities are like that. Yeah. Um, but for you guys, probably a lot of the places you're going, not a big deal. And I hope uh, your Valentine's Day is great. Hope you have a significant other to celebrate it with. And if you don't, I hope that you find one if that's what you want to do. Um, also, I would recommend our sponsor, LS Cream, for this evening. Head to your favorite libation spot. Have to do a BevMo or whatever. Pick up a bottle of LS Cream and uh, grease the wheels for an awesome Valentine's evening. Um, and you can find, uh, if you're looking for a store locator to figure out where you can go pick it up, Go to creamls.com. It'll tell you any liquor stores in your immediate area where you can go and pick it up. I highly recommend it. Um, let's see. We're going to celebrate Valentine's Day today on Game Face. I don't think we've, we've never done this before. Hmm. I don't know if the show's ever fallen on Valentine's Day like this or your birthday. No, honestly. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a topic in today's show where we celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm not going to spoil it. We have to wait till we get to the topic, but we do have that. We also have discussion on Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, Matt and I discussed the controversy around Hogwarts Legacy last week. Today, we're going to discuss the game. I have been playing it over the last week. So today's discussion will just be about the game itself. We're going to talk about the big Nintendo Direct that happened this week, and it was big. Like, wow, there's a lot to talk about there. We're going to talk about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the big Star Wars game that's coming out here in the next, like, two months. Uh, we have a great show for you guys. Hope you guys are excited. Uh, let's check in on chat here and see what you guys are up to. Oh, we already got the hype train going. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Um, <laughs> Congrim. Burger King has two chicken sandwich meals for $7.99. Just saying. <laughs> Ellis Cream in the jacuzzi. Yep. Uh, a lot of happy birthday wishes for you, Matt. Mm. Look at that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, lots of them. Well, that's great. That's really good to see. And lots of Twitch Prime, too. Um, two quick Capri. Will you be my Valentine? Absolutely. Eric Cartman is play more New Order, Shane. <laughs> He's talking about the pre-show music that we play waiting for the stream to start. I played some New Order today. I tried to play songs that um, are related to Valentine's Day before the show today, and I played New Order Love Less, I believe, was one of the songs. Uh, let's see. Glottis021, Johnny Hurricane, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, asking if I'm playing Wild Hearts. I just got review code um, this morning for Wild Hearts. So I will be... Matt also still got review code. I don't know if he's gonna play it or not, but if he if he is, we'll all play together. Um, Talica nineteen eighty one. Thank you, Shane A twenty eight. Thank you. Uh, what else? Who else we got here for Twitch Prime? Andy T Monahan. Thank you for subscribing. Lots and lots of happy birthday stuff. Old is a state of mind. I agree with you, Eric Cartmenez. Uh, and there's Eric saying hello to Luna as well. Hey. Is that it? Uh, Toast9, thank you for Twitch Prime. And I think that's it. Okay. Got some housekeeping today. Not as much as the last two episodes. Our last two episodes, our housekeeping has been like 40 mm. minutes long. Huh. So we're going to try to keep it a little bit shorter because the other thing, too, that you guys don't realize is that we've actually cut a topic off the end of Game Face the last three episodes in a row. And we have a longer rundown than we've been able to get to. So I'm going to try to get to everything that's supposed to be in the show today. Because I do all the pre-production work for those topics, and we end up not using them. So I'm going to try to get to all of them today. Um, but before we get going, there's a couple smaller stories that aren't really worthy of full topics. First of all, EA struck a deal with the English Premier League this week, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, now that they're about to lose the FIFA license, or willingly giving up the FIFA license, they're looking for new organizations to partner with. And it looks like it is found the English Premier League willing to do business. That's probably about as good of a license as EA could get aside from the FIFA license right now. Uh, my guess is it'll probably keep securing licenses like this for individual leagues mm-hmm. instead of just getting the big overarching FIFA license. Um, and it's important. You know, FIFA's a big game and people care about the authenticity and they care about having real players in the game. And it looks like EA is going to secure that one way or another. I do wonder if it's almost kind of like the cutting the cord thing, Matt, where... Mm-hmm. At first, it's like a good deal, but then you keep paying for all these little, like, $10, $13, and then you end up paying more for, like, cutting the cord than you were paying in cable. I do wonder if EA could get in a, in a place where it's spending more for licenses because it's doing them piecemeal instead of just buying that one big FIFA license. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm guessing they're smart, and they figured that out before they decided to say bye-bye to FIFA. I don't know. Um But it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But if you're a big FIFA player and you're really into EA's soccer game, EA's football game, this is good news. The English Premier League will be in the game. Um, Also this week, PlayStation unboxed PlayStation VR 2. Put out a long, really long video of the unboxing. Um, I guess the one thing that I learned from it is that unlike the first PlayStation VR, they have designed the box to put your stuff back in it very easily. That's so, good. So, I can never get it all Right, I never in. could get it back in. So they're setting it up this time, so if you want to take it to a friend's house, the box is just, you throw the stuff in there, everything fits perfectly, off you go, you take the box over to a buddy's, and you can play. Um, so that's a huge improvement. Otherwise, I'm just going to skim through this real quick so you guys can just get the gist of, of what everything was in here. Otherwise, it's just a typical unboxing video. 
If you want to watch this whole thing, it is curated to Sifted right now. You can go and check it out. No real surprises or anything like that. It just shows you that they have the final packaging ready and there are production units that they're able to show off in this video. So looks like no delays for PlayStation VR 2. It will be coming out, what, in about 10 days, nine days? Not even, eight days. Yeah, eight days. Yeah. 22nd. Yep. So it's coming really soon. Um, and then finally, Remedy announced that Alan Wake 2 is in a playable state already. Now, oh, good. <laughs> now, there are rumors that it was going to come out this year. Clearly not. Uh, yeah. If they're, if they're telling people it's playable right now, that means that it's still mm -hmm. a ways away. I, I, to me, this is a sign that, that Alan you're, Wake... You're basically around alpha. At yeah. Yeah. To me, this is a sign that Alan Wake 2 is not coming out in 2023. No, not a chance. Um, Remedy also stated that... Maybe see it Halloween 2024, if we're lucky. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then Remedy also stated that Mac, the Max Payne remake has barely been started. Yeah. So count on that in 2026, maybe. Mm. That's what I guess. That By that time... Well, somewhere that in there, I imagine there's new control content. That may be, yeah. Uh, by that time, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if people will care. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's already a question. Yeah, because when was the last Max Payne? What year? 2010? Something like that. I mean, I was... G4 still existed, so it's it was a while a ago. a long time. that was Rockstar. I mean, it's, that's Rockstar in general. It's crazy how it's letting so much of its IP just die. Mm -hmm. There's just so many. There's so many franchises it has. They, it was funny, too. One of the... We shot Pactor on Friday. And one of the questions that he got around to talking about Rockstar, and he started rifling off all the Rockstar franchises. It used to come out like every year and mm -hmm. a half or every two years that have yeah. all sat dormant for like 15 years. I know, Pactor's still waiting for that Midnight Club. He, he mentions it again. <laughs> <laughs> he does, he mentions it again. He's been waiting for Midnight Club since like the first episode, I think, of Pactor Factory talked about Midnight Club. Mm -hmm. And it still hasn't shown up. And we're like seven years later or whatever. So uh, yeah, Rockstar just letting all that stuff languish. You got to wonder when... Take two is like, look, let's let's start farming some of this IP out to some of these some other developers. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sure the Rockstar then just emails them the sales numbers for GTA Five right? and says, like, "Shut up." I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, have a coke and a smile. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it looks like no Max Payne for quite a while still, and maybe Alan Wake. I think probably Halloween the next year is right around when we'll see. That's it. probably what they're targeting. We'll see yeah. if they make it. Yeah. I, but didn't it, didn't one of their trailers say 2023 or something? Or did they announce 2023 at first? I can't. I don't think so. I thought so. there was some kind of an official You burn. know, I don't pay attention to number, the dates on trailers. They don't mean yeah. anything. Yep. Uh, Cinetike says, I care a lot, but I don't mind waiting for a good remake. Fair enough. Um, I really have never had an affinity for Max Payne. Even back with mm -hmm. the first one, everybody was freaking out about the bullet time and stuff. I was like... That seems like the only thing the game has. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I never really got into the character. The character was just unlikable to me. And I think that was the idea. Yeah, I mean, noir is like that. Yeah. Um, the the original, I think, 2 like, does a better job of kind of making him a person, whereas he's more of an archetype in the first one. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the dialogue is fun. I mean, when you play it now and you realize that all of that is very self-aware... Whereas maybe when you played it, when it came out, you were too young to realize that it wasn't supposed to be played straight. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fu It's also very funny that it's the, the developer is his face in the first one. And you're like, why? Like, who is that? Sam? Uh, yeah, the head of Sam the Lake. studio. Yeah. yeah. It, it's very fun. And then you see interviews with him. You're like, what the fuck? You're like, like it's Max Payne. It's Max Payne, but he's speaking with a, like a Swedish accent. Right, right. Like Norwe 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 <laughs> like they're Scandinavian. I don't remember where they're from. He's a good guy. I like Sam a lot. I've yeah. He's worked with him a few times, and he's always and then, been And fun. then he didn't look like that in uh, 
two. He did not. Uh, yeah. Or not very much not in three of them. Definitely not. Yeah, they I completely thought, changed I always him. thought they should always have like a bad Sam Lake skin you could put on <laughs> as like an unlockable thing. Yeah. To just like put that face back. Like, <laughs> yep. Uh, so anyway, placeholders that make it to the final product always a fun a fun trivia item. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, those are the smaller stories from the week that we're not going to dedicate entire topics to, but we have plenty of show to get to. Mm. Let's was, kick it off. Was it Max Payne two that if you turn the detail all the way down, uh, the tires got square on cars? Yeah, it lowered the poly output yeah. of the engine. Yeah, it was bizarre. Like I, remember, I think I remember running like a little bit on like low like we did a quick little thing on like Max Payne two on lowest settings mm-hmm. and it, it was like it was like those those it's D- like a D make yeah it was like those D make like TikToks now but yeah. like back in like the the early two thousands it was like yep yeah, now they've got everything oh no it was in the Matrix it was the Matrix under the Matrix oh if you turn the detail way down uh, the cars had square wheels a lot of games were like that back in the day yeah. when you turn it down it wasn't turning down like shaders and lighting and things it was like literally lowering the amount of polygons oh, yeah. that the engine you were was simplifying the character models yeah. but I, that was the yeah. i think that was the only time i ever saw a, a game with cars where like if you dropped it down far enough the, the wheels became squares that's <laughs> that's hilarious that's a level of saving you probably don't need to go that far not okay. anymore they found at least, other ways at least make save. them octagons i'm saying yeah. yeah and i would argue that a lot of times anymore with game engines polygons aren't really what's pushing the engines anymore back then it was but it now, was yeah, but now not it's really all, anymore yeah now it's all details and it's all the effects and, and everything yep there is no real option for, you know, model complexity anymore. Nope. And it's, it's, it's not all, even a thing anymore. I mean, even shadows, like... Yeah. You know, shadows used to be the whole thing. Like, turn shadows off. You'll get all, all those frames back. It's like, now it's like, no, shadows are on, but you can make a medium if you want, you know? I'll say this, though. Shadows have become something that I look at really closely when I'm looking at next-gen games, games that run on PS4 and PS5. A lot of times, those games, mm-hmm. their shadows are still, like, step-stared. Well, shadows are hard and yeah. expensive. The and games that are built specifically for next gen, their shadows, the edges are like razor sharp, and mm-hmm. like it, you can tell. There's there's a, definitely a difference. Yeah. And they struck. You know, it's hard to like the the shadows of the foliage in Witcher Three is one of the big problems on the PC version. Yeah, like, they pop in when Geralt's like five feet away, mm-hmm. and like they're working. They still put they put another patch up. They're still working on it, but it's uh, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, uh, and then of course they accidentally added um, genitals. Uh, in this past one, I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. The, uh, the la- latest patch for the Witch, I think it was just the PC version. But um, well, the initial report was that it added realistic-looking vaginas to a bunch of characters. Um, if you look into it further, and I mess, I talked to some of my developer friends. It turns out what really happened is someone at CD Projekt Red apparently had what is a mod called Monster Vaginas or realistic monster vaginas, which gives realistic looking genitals to the monster female monsters in the game mm-hmm. and he, they must have had that on one of their 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 builds they're working on and accidentally scooped it into the update <laughs> it's a it's like an update you can download like at, yeah. like, like nexus mods or whatever uh-huh. apparently and like i guess it got scooped into the update and so it updated everybody's copy of the game <laughs> with that. and i was like what is this wow. and Did so they now they're, it? They roll they're it gonna they're gonna like do some kind of update that removes it from, yeah. from the, but that's very funny yeah like, it's, yeah so, so someone someone's having a good time at work over there apparently <laughs> it's about time they've had a couple of rough years over there so yeah yeah it's been... <laughs> i can kind of understand it uh okay well with that it's time to kick off the show proper game phase 330 is here it's time we're going to talk about undoubtedly the biggest game release and not even just the biggest game release just the biggest story from the last couple of weeks hogwarts legacy 
Last week we talked about the cultural controversy around it. We're not going to really discuss that this week because we talked about it for like 90 minutes last week. Uh, this week we're just going to talk about the actual game itself. Matt, you have not played it. No. I have been playing it all week long. Um, so this discussion might also be a little shorter than some of our other game discussions because when, obviously when Matt has something to add, it adds to the length of it. So it shouldn't, maybe not could be as long as typical. Um, I guess the first thing that I'll just say off the top is this game is amazing. It really is. Like, it is legitimately game of the year caliber. Hmm. I'm not exaggerating. It has blown my mind over and over and over again. Today, I went, as I was just leaving, I'm like, oh, I better check the Metacritic to see where the game is at. It is sitting at an 84 now. So it's gone from an 8.7 last week to an 8.4. And that, to me, having now played this game, is ludicrous. It is ludicrous. It is... It's a game of the year contender, undoubtedly. And I have a feeling that a lot of the people who have... I saw some people giving it a 7 and a 6. Man, I don't know how they got there. I really, really don't. I would struggle to see how someone could score this game that low. Now, a lot of the reviews do mention the cultural angles on this stuff. I've been surprised by that. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought, you know, obviously you can have your opinion, whatever you want. I'm surprised that so many critics decided to factor that into the score of the game. Um, and again, they can do what they want. It's their editorial. As I said on last week's show, that's not something I would ever do. I just review the game. And I have been loving the living hell out of this game. Um, I don't know where to begin. I guess I'll begin with the story. And one thing I will say is I think what most people think the story of this game is, isn't what it really ends up being. Like everyone thinks it's about smashing this goblin uprising that is part of the plot there's this crazy powerful goblin who is like trying to get all the other goblins in the area to overthrow basically the government even though per se the government i guess is a, is a good way to put it but if you want to consider what the people that run the wizarding world to be a government right <laughs> authority in these game in these this world is pretty stupid most yeah. of the time what happens though for the first i'm about 25 or 26 hours into it at this point what happens for the first like 15 to 20 hours though is that bad goblin just shows up mm -hmm. here and there you'll there'll be a cut scene and he'll show up he'll like zap you with a couple things of magic and then he disappears and then three hours later he shows up again in another cutscene. the real story to me in this game is being a student at hogwarts mm -hmm. um not that just is, that's, that's the hook that you one could even argue you probably don't need the Goblin yeah, Rebellion thing. You really don't. If that's already in the part of the game. Yeah, because the other thing, too, is that you're the, you're rare. So you're this prodigy coming into the school. Of course you are. You're starting at like a fifth-year student or whatever. So you're basically skipping all of Hogwarts and just showing up at the end. Mm -hmm. So you're this person who has this ability, they, they believe, to cast this special kind of magic that no one else has ever been able to, or not ever, but... They haven't had anyone around who's been able to cast his special type of magic. So you're this person who gets taken under the wing of, like, all the professors. Um, and they don't play up the jealousy angle as much as they probably should um, in the plot as far as the other students being like, why is this guy who just showed up getting, like, all the private studies and these private lessons with all the professors and things like that? They don't really go down that route. But... Again, as somebody who's not a huge fan of Harry Potter, I've watched the movies. I've never read a single book. I know what the aesthetics of the IP is, but I don't really know, like, the details of it. Like, the I minutia. mean, this, this thing takes place so far before anything else, anybody, anything she's written about it, that it 
you don't it doesn't know. relate but there, there isn't really a lot of information before this game about what was happening in 1899 yeah yeah you know so i know enough about the ip to know whether it nails the ip and oh my god it yeah it's a little weird in that like even people i know who've been playing it who liked it are like if you didn't tell me this takes place when it takes place i would have thought it was just now yeah much. I, I i wouldn't be able to tell i mean because mm. it just nails like you just can't have everything it, you, it basically it takes place when it takes place because otherwise you're bumping up against known story te- story part bits yeah because you'd be like oh where's grindelwald where's well like one of whatever, the professors yeah. is mrs weasley so they right. see the game with familiar terms so people like me who have only watched the movies and aren't crazy mm-hmm. potter fans or whatever there's a connective tissue there to get yeah, you. It's very, it's very Star Wars prequely. Yeah. And it's that's like, here's an equivalent of everybody you know, and some of them have the same name. Yeah. Like, here you go. Yep. The droids are here. Like, who knew that? Yeah. yeah. So to me, the story really is more about, like, you're the, the young mm. buck at Hogwarts. Which you, makes it even weirder that, like, like, if you just left the goblins out, there would be a lot less consternation about yeah. the actual content of the game. Because you can't really get away from the Jewish stereotype thing yeah. on that. Um and it's like the thing it's funny that like that that is like sort of weirdly misunderstood because it's like when people pointed that out about the goblins in the books and the movies no mm-hmm. one was saying like burn the books and the movies right. they were sort of saying like hey this thing you consume that's part of it and you should be aware of that yeah. just like be aware of what you what's it, what you the ingredients of your entertainment mm-hmm. and one of the things you could do when someone points that out about your major multi-billion dollar franchise is, hey, maybe we should alter that a little bit. Maybe we should tweak that so people can't make the comparison anymore and we're you know in the clear on that kind of thing. But they just kind of double down on that. It's, the goblin design looks very different when you don't make them green. Yeah, I can um, see that, actually. And like it's, it's just a strange lack of reaction mm-hmm. uh, to sort of a pretty... And I, look, to be clear, I don't think that that was the intent. Yeah. putting the goblins into the book like that I think that you know goblins just come from a tradition where they are inspired by those stereotypes and prejudices and and things and we don't think about that really yeah, now. Yeah. like I, if you're not Jewish and raised like kind of be aware of those things like a lot of us just think of them as the weird little creatures. They're just goblins. They're, there's, there's weird little creatures yeah. from folklore and D&D and yeah. but they all have that weird they all come from that same tradition and like you could tweak that and no one could ever make that complaint again but they just don't it's yeah. weird to me and then like to put that in to this game when you've got a whole wide world to play with in that regard it's it's a strange choice it's, it's interesting a, that they didn't tweak it after the feedback yeah because well, it's people brought that up like way yeah, way it long seems ago. like that should have been changed by now for yeah. sure um so anyway but the good news is that's not really a big focal point of the plot mm-hmm. it really is about you just being this new person to the school and making friends and meeting all the professors and going through all your classes they do a really good job of making the classes fun you always learn like a new spell when you go to class and it's not like you sit down it's not like persona like mm-hmm. where class was like this annoying thing that you had to do like i look forward to the or class it wasn't session. even a thing it was just like it was like one sh- one shot and if you're lucky you, you answer a trivia question right. and then it moves on to whatever you're yeah. doing this you show up there's some fun banter back and forth between the students and the teacher the teacher teaches you a new spell you then practice the spell in the class and then that's it and then you mm-hmm. go off it's very it, the, it's very streamlined. Right. It's what you want from it's a what Hogwarts you want. thing. Yeah, you don't want to sit in a classroom and learn all this minutia. Which is doubly weird when, like, in the books, in the movies, where it's like, Harry doesn't want to go to... I'm like, 
Dude, you're today you're learning how to throw fireballs. Yeah. Why, why are you not interested in school? Like it's like it's not spelling, bro. Very strange. Like by, by, by a certain point, you're like, I mean, I know he's. You don't think about it, but Harry Harry's kind of like a dumb jock. Yeah. Like in the end, yeah, he just yeah. wants to ride he's his broom and, and catch and... snitches and call yeah. it a day. And I'm like, bro, like there, some of us would have killed a human being to be in that potion class. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Yep. And that's the other thing too. You go to potion class and all the different disciplines that you know from Harry Potter. All that happens, and they make it fun and exciting um there is kind of a morality system in the game but so a lot of times you get to make decisions and it's very obvious like this is the decision you make if you're a good person this is this is the decision you make if you if you're not afraid of getting in trouble or whatever i have yet to see a ton of payoff i've seen some subtle like differences like if you decide to for example one of the early decisions you make is to sneak into the library and go into this forbidden area of the library and look for something that you need to find and you can, one of the classmates that you first meet, he's like, you want to go into the, and you get to decide whether you want to kind of break the rules and go into the library or not. And then later on, obviously, some of your professors find out about it and they bring it up. So I haven't seen big consequences as far as like changing the story on down the road, but there, it does there change. Is there isn't any? The, at the end of the game, you have one choice to make that determines which ending you get. That's it. Okay. And none it, of the other stuff matters? No. It's pure Mass Effect 3. Okay. It's except Mass Effect Three has three options. Yeah. This one has two. <laughs> but like dialogue does change later on. So yeah. one of the professors will be like, "Well, since you snuck into the library, yeah. then blah blah it just, blah." Not, there's nothing that's like tabulating up, like whether you're what you've bad. done, what you what you've chosen yeah. that's going to like railroad you into like one ending or the other. It's you get one or the other depending on the like literally your last decision in the game. Gotcha. Okay. So you're free to choose whatever you want without worrying about whatever it's gonna ending you're going to get. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that. It is, it is literally the thing everybody whined about in Mass Effect 3, but no one's whining about it in this one for some reason, which is yeah. interesting. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's not as much agency over how the plot plays out as maybe a lot of games mm -hmm. like this now we kind of expect it to happen. But let's be honest, like, a lot of games don't. God of War, Ragnarok didn't give us choice. Unless... No, I mean, really, you, if you can give the... I mean, enough people seem to think there is that maybe it's doing the job yeah. well enough as <laughs> it is. You may be right. So, if, you know, we know that... You know, we look under the hood on things like that and realize it. But, you know, there are tons of people I know who played Mass Effect 3 that didn't realize that that's how, how it worked. You know, yeah, that it didn't really matter. You know, it, in the the game does like tempt you at times to like use the dark arts to cut corners and stuff like that. So it does mm -hmm. challenge your morality as far as making sort of. decisions. There's no, there's no punishment for using unforgivable curses or anything. It's, mm -hmm. it's a strange choice to not have that. But at the same time, I kind of get like, you know, they've said that there's no way to, they, they couldn't find a way to put that in gameplay that didn't feel like it was punishing the player for choosing how they wanted to play. And mm -hmm. like, I get that. Um, you could argue that maybe someone who's choosing to just cast Avada Kedavra on people should probably be punished, but, you know, okay, whatever. I always found it interesting in the films, too, that they... It was 1899, they were looser yeah. on, on things like that. In the films, it seemed like the dark arts weren't, like, a bad thing. Like, that's one of the things that I got from the films over time was that, like, when I first started watching the films, I was like, oh, the dark arts, and you have this professor, and he's this bad guy. And as it turns out, that wasn't the case at all. He was, like, one of the good guys all along, and I feel like this game does a good job of that, too. Basically saying, you know, the dark arts, if you use them, doesn't mean that you're a terrible wizard or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the sometimes you need to use them out of necessity or whatever. So um, I feel like it does just generally the story does a great job of being a Harry Potter power fantasy. It really does. It just sinks you right into life at Hogwarts, being around the other kids, being around all the professors, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, let's talk about how the game plays. So we just came off playing Forspoken, Matt, and we both had issues with how the magic combat worked in that game. And now, I, I, I remember when we talked about it, I was like, I can't really put my finger on why it didn't work. Now that I've played Hogwarts Legacy, I totally understand why the magic in Forspoken was not handled well, because the magic in this is amazing. When you first start out, and they do, I mean, you end up getting like, I mean, just do the math like five times, like 40 spells, it seems like, ultimately in this game. It's insane how many spells there are. But what I like about this system is you can create crazy magic combos. So how you cast magic in this game is you squeeze R2 and then another menu comes up that for your face buttons and you just tap the corresponding button for whatever spell you want. And they're all on a cooldown. Well, once you start to learn how your spells work and how long of a cooldown they have, you start creating this rhythm. And there's, so if you're watching some of the combat there earlier, enemies, when they block, they'll have like a bubble around them. And the color of the bubble matters because that tells you what kind of spell you need to break their stance, basically. And once you break their stance, then you can unload on them and do damage. So you can do that in a couple ways. You can just use the corresponding spell. It'll leave them. But you can also just levitate them. You can spray them with ice and freeze them. All of those kind of start the combos and open up the combos. And some of the combos, if you start with levitation, it becomes like a juggle combo. If you start with the fire blast, then it just becomes piling on the fire damage. And as you, the more you play the game, the more you start to understand how long it takes each spell to cool down so that you can use it again. And eventually you find this sequence of spells that you can cast that you can basically replicate over and over again. There's also a blocking mechanic in the game um, with the triangle button, and if you hold it, and somebody attacks while you're holding it, you will automatically do like a counter attack, like a counter spell. And the animation for all of this is amazing. Like the way that they link like all the wave wanding and the spell casting all together to create these combos, awesome. Like nothing looks awkward. Like I remember the older Harry Potter games, you always had to stand still while you would cast a spell. In this, you're like dodging, you're rolling, but always like planting your feet, casting the spell. A big part of it is learning how long it takes to cast each spell because you're vulnerable while you're doing it. So there's all this strategy that goes into the combat and it makes the combat just fun. It is the best real-time magic system I've ever used in a video game. Huh. That's probably the best way I can sum it up. They've nailed it. And they're, I, I can't even really think of any tweaks or changes that they really need to make if they were to do a sequel for this game. And I don't know who knows what's going to happen because this game has just been so... Topsy turvy with all the. Well, it doesn't matter. It's going to be one of the top sellers of the year. You think it still will be? It's the second biggest single player launch in Steam history. Wow, it deserves it. But I behind hate to say behind it. only Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, I should add. Yeah, yeah. I've ne I'll say this: I have never begrudgingly loved a game like this, where I've like have in the back of my mind like I, I wouldn't say I was thinking I don't want to like this. But there's a little bit of like, I, I guess I put it this way. I did not give this game the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't saying- Well, I would not say that even if you leave all the controversy aside, external from it, there was no reason to think that these developers had that in them. I know. It's, it, so I got about 10 hours into this game and I was like blown away, Matt. I'll be honest with you. I like stopped playing and just like looked around and was like, hot damn, this game is effing incredible and you don't care about harry potter i don't give two squirts a you know what about harry potter it is just an amazing open world action rpg i'll get into it like you just keep uncovering crazy stuff in this game that are this all harry potter you walk by and you don't even notice half of the stuff that's going on like for example 
There's brooms that just sweep on their own. There's books that like fly through the air and then they go into a bookshelf. There's suits of armor that crack jokes at each other and attack each other when you turn your back. You'll turn your back, you hear bang, 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 bang. You'll turn around and they'll be like readjusting themselves and they're like fighting each other when you turn your, like there's just stuff like that all over this game, everywhere. Like you're out in the open world and you'll find an ax just like floating in the air. You wave your wand at it, it chops the wood. There's just, it's all over the place. All these little touches that most open world games mm. don't even bother with. The other thing I say too, the open world in this game, incredible. There aren't these like miles and miles of just dead area between each town. There is just stuff happening every like hundred yards. Like you get a broom and it's just like, first of all, amazing. You get on the broom, and you can just fly wherever the hell you want in the open world. But before that, when you're on foot, before you get the broom, it is just like, there's no downtime out in the open world. Like, they've put, like, a hamlet, like, every hundred yards. And there's just interesting, incredible stuff to do all over the world. Like, the side missions in this game, there's over a hundred side missions. I have not had one fetch quest. Not one! Huh. It's crazy. And a lot of the side quests, multi-part where you're going all over Hogwarts and all over the very Hogmeads and all these different areas. Um, there's a, so you have your broom that you can just jump on and fly wherever the hell you want. It controls great. You can choose from different brooms and you can feel the differences in the brooms and how they handle in the air. Um, you also, eventually you get mounts as well. Um, but I just use the broom because it's fun and it's just crazy. Like you can be in the middle of a fight and to jump on your broom, you just hit hold L1 and then tap circle and just, you just hop on the broom and just fly up in the air. So if things get too hectic and you're about to die or whatever, you can just do that combo and boom, you're off the ground and you're flying up in the air and you're getting away. It's exhilarating. Like flying on the broom is exhilarating. It feels great. Um, and again, you can fly wherever you want. And there's stuff for that too. So there's all these mission objectives up in the sky where you're popping balloons and you're flying through rings and you're doing time trials and you're over at the Quidditch court like being tested by the Quidditch coach and blah, blah, blah. Now, keep in mind, there is no Quidditch in this. And it is funny that they, it's almost awkward at the beginning of the mm -hmm. game. Like the narrator says like, and they could not play the Quidditch because it, <laughs> like basically, because they knew people were going to be pissed off that it wasn't yeah. in the game. So they put it in the VO right in the beginning. The Quidditch. Yeah, no could, Quidditch in this. Yeah, pretty don't, much. Like, don't expect Quidditch. Just telling people right away that like something that a lot of people would expect was not going to be there's, in the There's game. what you do in the sequel. There's a, there you go. The sequel, has a, the sequel has a full Quidditch season <laughs> in addition to the. Um, but there's so many mission types, like the main mission types are, you never guess what you're going to be doing next. Like, and they're all Harry Potter. Like they just nail everything about this game. Like the quest, the voiceover, the writing, the scenarios, the sequence of events. It always makes sense within the context of the IP. It's, it's astounding. Like I've been blown away by this game. You got into the open world too. And there's puzzles out there, like crazy puzzles. Like I found a puzzle where... I am like jumping through dimensions. Like there's these like doorways that take you from one dimension to the next. And you're like trying to like navigate through this area. And it just like a mind bending puzzles. Like it's, it's crazy. I, I <laughs> just one thing after another in this game, I've just been blown away by. Um, there are Zelda-esque dungeons in the game where you just get in there and you're like, hot damn, this has been going on for like 30 minutes and you fight all the way to the end. And at the end, you get some piece of clothing or a cloak or something like that. One thing I will say is the, the gear and the loot in this is a lot like Destiny where you get, oh, here's a new hat. It gives me plus one defense over the hat that I just had. And that does get a little annoying. And what makes it more annoying is my biggest complaint about this game. And this just shows you 
to me, how good this game is. My biggest complaint are the laggy menus. So if you tap like the, the touchpad on the PS5 controller, or you hit start, if you hit the touchpad, it brings up the typical menu where you tap R1 or L1 to cycle through the different tabs. It lags like crazy, and it drives me nuts because you're always getting new gear, and you always need to go and equip that new gear, and you have to go through the cycle. I know it may sound like I'm nitpicking. You're like, oh, the menus are laggy. You have to use the menus a lot in this game. But that is my biggest complaint with the game is the laggy menus. And I'm sure anyone who's played this on PS5 probably is like, damn right, those menus suck. Um, but as I said, there are Zelda-like dungeons that you can play through. There's horde modes that you find out in the open. There's mini games like this, just these sports that you play, like all over the place. It's just, it's crazy. It almost feels like the developers of this game knew that they're going to have to go above and beyond to overcome a lot of the things that were happening with the game as they were developing it. And they just were like, you know what? We're just going for broke. Yeah. I mean, I think it's some of that. And it's also, again, even if you remove the controversy from it, this is the first big budget Harry Potter game in how long? Ever. 10 years? EA even really spent a ton of money on this. I mean, not, but like EA was making what we would have considered AAA movie tie-in games at the time. I mean, they were, they were as good as movie licensed games were going to be basically. Um, but like you know, you ba- I mean, they formed a new studio. I mean, Portkey Games exists basically for this and the mobile stuff before mm-hmm. that. But like, you know, this is their first return to consoles in forever, and it's like you gotta, you gotta make that big or go home. Like, well, if, you, if you churn out something mediocre, and like even if you didn't have the controversy over it, everybody just be like, oh, why are you wait? Why are you trying to get seventy bucks out of me for this garbage? Like, you know, even if you leave rolling out of the equation. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 heat was on for this one like they had, yeah. you had to justify why you were coming back to consoles with harry potter for this yeah and it sounds like they did oh they have absolutely they have i saw someone in um chat saying um some of the gear is ugly as hell you're right because you're one you're getting gear like constantly and so i'm guessing they just ran out of stuff to be able to design but the other thing too is that you don't have your character doesn't have to wear what you're wearing. You can get the stats of what you're wearing while choosing cosmetically what you want to display on your character. So, Kevin, that's actually kind of a non-issue when you really think about it. Took uh, took Cyberpunk a year and a half to do that. Yeah, and I don't hate all the gear either. I think some of the gear looks fine. Like, I... That is a terrible cat. (laughs) (laughs) And there's cats I have... So I have yet to figure out what the cats do. But there are cats everywhere in this game. I think they're just zombies. Cats cats are the witch thing. You know, cats are everywhere. So you do get this room eventually that you... So this game also has, like, interior decorating. You mm-hmm. get this room that you can decorate however you want, and then you have to buy these workbenches, and, like, one workbench is to build potions. One workbench is to grow plants that can be used in the potions, or in some cases, some of the plants in this are, like, weapons. So you get, like, a mandrake, and that will, like, scream and, like, basically stun enemies. You can throw those out, and it'll stun enemies and give you a chance to get the initiative. There's another, um, like, a tentacle plant that is a turret. But you have to find the seeds to grow it, and then you have to buy the right table with, like, the right pot size to actually grow the plant. So there's this whole process that comes into building this room that you have that you, I think it's called, like, the... The room, room of requirement, I would imagine. It. it is, the room of requirement. Mm-hmm. And you can also, you can 
you know, interior design. You can choose what pictures are on the walls. <laughs> so you can see there, like, what he's talking about with, like, the wow. gear and stuff. That is, that is a hip look you got there. <laughs> I actually liked some of the... Some of the times I actually liked some of the stuff that I picked up. So I may have to disagree on some of the gear stuff. When you have this much gear, sure, some of it's going to be ugly. I mean, Destiny has that problem, too. It, like it's I, just the numbers. Like you, how, pick up, you pick up some super rare thing, and it's the ugliest thing in the set, and you're saying, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was worth grinding for. Yeah. Yeah. Here but as long see, as you have the cosmetic thing, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Here you can see flying on the broom. Um, the other thing I forgot to mention is you can fly wherever you want, and it's pretty fast, but the fast travel system in this is also incredible. It's almost too much. Um, so you, the fast travel system, when you're, when you're on the map, you can choose like the overworld map, or you can choose the towns. And once you choose a town, then you need to select the specific area of Hogwarts that you want to go to. And then within that specific area of the Hogwarts school, there's like five fast travel points. So literally in this game, if you don't want to fly on a broom or use mounts at all, you don't have to. You can just use the fast travel system. Once you've found a fast travel point, it's unlocked for the rest of the game. And you can just travel to that point from that point forward. So getting around the open world in this game, it's fun if you do it with the broom or mounts. But it's also really easy if you just want to completely avoid all that stuff. It, the system is amazing. Um, again, the freedom of just flying around these areas, Matt, that are just so lovingly crafted. Like, this is just in the open world. I just found this encampment. Look at it. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of, like, just dead space in this open world where you're just flying over generic fields or generic forests or whatever. Even if there is a little, like, gaggle of trees, if you jump down on the ground and land and go into that little forest patch, there's enemies in there to fight. The other thing I would say, too, is this is one of those games where every level really matters. So if you come across enemies out in the open world that are even a level or two higher than you, good luck. Like, they will whoop that ass. So you have to be really careful when you're flying around. And that's another way that the broom is very handy. You can fly 20 feet off the ground. You can figure out kind of the lay of the land, what kind of enemies are down there before you touch down. So it gives you a little bit of wiggle room to kind of play it safe, I guess, is a good way to put it. Mm. Um, there aren't a lot of boss fights in the game. That's another one of my major complaints. And then there is this one boss, like this big troll, that you end up fighting, like, multiple like times just like slight variants or whatever but there are tons of like mini bosses in the game so you're always stumbling across like new enemies and things like that but there just aren't as many epic boss fights as i would have expected um i already talked about the side missions they are all over the place and they're all varied there's over 100 total um none of them are trash i've yet to play a single side mission that i found unfun or uninteresting um the other thing i love about this game that it does better than most open world games is that it completely eliminates the need to talk to every NPC. Now, I know some people may like spending copious amounts of time walking up to every character in a video game and hitting a button and standing there waiting for them to talk and then having to wait for them to finish before you can leave. I hate that crap. This game, instead of forcing you to go and talk to people, they just talk. So if you walk by them, they're just talking. And if you want to listen to what they're saying, you just stop and stand there and listen. It's not something that you have to, like, initiate manually. Like, again, just a very small quality of life tweak that they've made to this game that I think goes a long, long way. You're seeing character creation right now. It's not that great. It's pretty rudimentary. I was kind of surprised at that. I did manage to create a character that looks kind of like me. Actually, looks more like my little brother, to be honest. But 
it's not that extensive. That was one thing that I thought the game came up a little bit short on, was not giving you enough features to really kind of create a character that looks like you, if that's the type of player that you are. And that was I, one of the earliest, like, mod stuff that started, the like, first was character creation yeah. tweaks. It needs it. Yeah, it could use a lot more options. But still, I managed to create a character I was mostly happy with. Um, as I said, my biggest complaint of all is that the map and the menus are just laggy AF. And again, you constantly have to go into them to equip that new piece of gear. After a while, I got sick of it and just started rolling with my gear. Hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait until I have like real upgrades to each one of these pieces before I go in and, and change them. Because the other thing, too, is that the game isn't that difficult. Once you get the hang of the combat, it's not that tough. Now, I'll say this. like Again, if you tangle with people or enemies that are a level or two higher than you, it can be tough to beat them. But if you stay to enemies that are mostly your level, it's not that difficult. Because the other part, too, in addition to having an awesome magic system that's a lot of fun to play with, you can also pick up objects and throw them at enemies. And that comes in really handy. For example, like if in some of that battle footage, you may have seen like little R1 icons like on barrels and other stuff laying around. You just tap R1, and it will automatically hurl that object at an enemy. And at the very least, if you don't have a spell equipped that'll break their guard, that will break their guard. They also do tons of damage. So that stuff also gets integrated deeply and richly into the combat as well. And it gives you another option, uh, particularly when you're fighting some of the tougher enemies in the game, or if you decided to step up and fight an enemy that's maybe a level or two higher than your character is right at, the, at that moment. Um, as I said, they use a color-coded system for breaking the guard of enemies. You're not constantly wondering. You can literally just look down at your menu and be like, his defensive bubble is yellow. Use my yellow spell. It's that simple. And that will break their guard and allow you to do damage to them. Um, but, oh, also in the combat, there are um, L1 modifiers to use as you cook up stuff in the lab. Uh, or to perform over-the-top finishers in addition to grabbing the stuff from R1. They are, so if you grow the Mandrakes, their map to the L1, there are these crazy like double finishers where you tap L1 and R1, like some of them will just slam enemies into the ground. Some will call down these gigantic like lightning storms. Um, and I haven't quite figured out how to control which one you do because it's always in the heat of battle that it just kind of happens. Hmm. Um, but I guess I don't know what the variance is that decides which actual attack you do, but they're amazing and, and, and impressive. Um, so overall, the combat in this game, I think, is excellent, it, particularly for a game where there's no melee. It is literally all magic casting, all projectiles, and I feel like they just nail it. Um, as I said, there are so many spells. Like I'm Realistically, there's probably close to 40 and there's probably five or six different classes of spells that you can use. And then there's a couple, like, um, there's one that's just always mapped to the D-pad. It's a scan, basically. If you tap left on the D-pad, it just scans the area. You're going to be doing that a lot in this game because there's chests and stuff hidden everywhere. And you would be surprised, too. You may find this chest in this little hut, like, kind of off the beaten path. And it will have, like, the best piece of gear that you got in it. So it encourages you to look around and try to find stuff because it actually could be that piece of gear that jumps you up a couple levels instead of that incremental step up like you get for, throughout most of the game. Um, the, the skill trees are worthwhile. They're big um, and varied. They actually give you spells that you want to use and new attacks that you want to use. They're not just variances and you see the difference. So like one of the things that I improved was like my fireball spell and I was like, whatever, I use the fireball all the time. I'm just going to level it up. Next time I went out in the field and I used it, I used the fire my, one of the fireball spells on an enemy, and the fire jumped off of that enemy and went over to another enemy and burned another enemy. And I was like, oh my god, 
That's the upgrade that I just got. Every upgrade is like that. Immediately noticeable stuff that pays a dividend when you're out in the field engaged in combat. Um, again, the puzzles in the game have been really inventive. I really liked them. The dimension jumping one was definitely the most interesting. But there's also these... There are these leaves that you have to collect throughout the game, and you find these little spots throughout the world, and you drop the leaves on the spot, and then that initiates a puzzle right there. And there's four or five different variations just on that one puzzle type throughout the game. Like, you just, you're never doing the same thing in this game for very long, which I think in an open world game of this size, look, I'm 20 some hours into this game, I am nowhere near the end. I don't know how long it is, but I can tell you, I'm, I don't even think I'm probably halfway done with it. It's a gigantic game, and again, I've not been doing the same stuff over and over again. It's the numbers I've seen is forty to fifty. Oh, really? So I am about halfway, a little more than mm-hmm. half, then. And I've already got my money's worth. If I had bought this game, I would not feel like I was cheated. I've not even yeah. finished. With I mean, the I'm game. sure you could do it faster than that, but I, it, for, I, what I saw was like if you're just sort of going through and taking your time, mm-hmm. forty to fifty. Because the other thing too is that like in a lot of these open world games, Matt, I ignore the side missions because I'll try a few of them, and I'm like, these are boring as crap. And or it'll just be repetitive and doing the same kind yeah, of missions. Yeah, we get the over Far Cry style where it's like, okay, I've I've done this yeah. five times and I don't need to do it fifteen more times. Yeah, well, I would, but like most people don't. Most people don't. And in this game, it's like every time I try a side mission, it's something different and new, unique, and it's with characters. Learning, learning from The Witcher Three. It is. I actually, you know what, Matt? I would compare this game a lot to The Witcher Three, hmm. and and also in just overall quality. Like it is that effing good. I've thought about The Witcher 3 a lot playing this mm-hmm. game. I, had just I would be surprised if that version. wasn't one of their touchstones. It may, maybe. Like, but, if you're going to make an open world RPG with magic in it, you're going to want to look at The Witcher. Yeah, and having just played Witcher 3 because the next gen version just came out, I had that, which, by the way, is so good that it kept me from playing a lot of the big games from Q4 last mm-hmm. year. I had that very fresh in my mind when I started playing this. And this compares extremely favorably mm. to The Witcher 3. The timing on that is correct, too, as well. Right. Like, that would have been... People would have absorbed that fully right as you were starting to plan this game. It's true. Yep, it's absolutely true. Um, and then it's like, you know, I said earlier, it's easy. But if you want to really test your combat skills, you can do it. Like, you can go out and you can find enemies that are going to put you to the test. And once when you do that, that's when you discover that the combat in this is great. And it's fluid and it's fun and it's a, you can also mix it up. Like you don't have to play like me. Like what I generally do is I freeze the enemy, then I unload all of my fire magic on them. And if they're not dead yet, then I levitate them and I unload on them again because by then all the fire spells have on a cooldown. That's how I play. You could play it entirely differently. You could use levitation and juggle the enemies more. And you can also upgrade like your levitation spill, spell so that if you hit one enemy with levitation it will start affecting the other enemies around him like when you first get it it's just one enemy but if you upgrade it eventually you cast it on that one guy and suddenly three people are floating in the air so there's also incentive to keep going with the way that you want to play because you can improve the way that you want to play the game it's it's amazing this game is amazing like some of these sixes and sevens i was like what the hell like i'm just I don't know if I've been more surprised by a game and since I launched Sifted, Matt, honestly. Like, you know, coming from Portkey Games and Avalanche, who had only done, like, the Toys to Life stuff, I can't believe they made this game. I can't believe it. Like, the open world in this is better than Horizon Forbidden West. It's not even close. Like, when I was talking about, like, games that have, like, these open worlds that are just, like, miles and miles of nothingness, that franchise is kind of like that. And this, yeah. this thing 
every hundred although yards. i do think that's a choice in that game. yeah i mean sure you can choose to make it that way i prefer this where you're not just having these long think, traveling where there's nothing happening i mean i think i i prefer it in horizon i don't think i'd want that style in this like that wouldn't make sense for mm -hmm. harry potter yeah um it's amazing Harry Potter is not trying to create a sense of loneliness and isolation in a desolate world. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe if you made a game out of the last movie. The other thing I would say, too, is, is this game wears on. It gets darker and more serious. So at first, it's very whimsy. You know, you get to choose your house. Like what, they ask you, what house were you? Uh, Gryffindor. Yeah, I figure that's why you're wearing the red robe. Yeah, but so it didn't choose that, though. So you answer, you ask, answer a couple questions to start, and then it suggests the house for mm -hmm. you. And I think this suggested like Slytherin or something for me. I'm like, I'm not going to Slytherin. But then let you choose whatever house that you want to. Yeah, I mean, well, it's implied that that's true in the, you know, in the in universe as well. Yeah. Like you, you you only see Harry's version, but it's a, he has a, like a mental conversation with the hat where mm -hmm. he's like, he's like, don't put me in Slytherin. He's yeah. like, you could be, you could be good. Okay, Gryffindor. You're like, yeah, I remember that. So theoretically, that's how everybody does it. Yeah, yeah. And so you can choose which house you want. It doesn't seem like there's a gigantic difference in which house you choose. So I don't know that. Yeah, like, but if you're a Harry Potter fan, it really matters. It matters a lot. Yeah. yeah. So there is. Some I, but it doesn't like unlock different spell trees or anything. No. I would imagine. No, it doesn't. Um, so the, you're, maybe just, you're just hanging out with different people. That yes, yeah, the people you're right. Like the classmates and the people mm. like that change. Although like. Some of the classmates that I've hung around with the most in this game have not been in my house. So, yeah. do you want to hang out with assholes, nerds, jocks, <laughs> or other? Pretty much. Like I don't know what yeah. Hufflepuff is. Yeah, really. yeah, me either. Yeah. Hufflepuff's just where you go if you don't have a defining characteristic. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah. So you look. You can play this again and get a little bit more value out of it playing as a different house. But I wouldn't go buy this game thinking that oh, if I play a Slytherin, it's a completely different experience. It's, yeah, it's not. not. It's not like a replay value thing. No. Yeah. A little vaguely, but like not in very a much. tiny, tiny bit. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, like maybe if you're a big enough fan, you would think that's a big enough difference to play yeah. again, maybe, yeah. but like probably it, not. Your mileage it. will vary and proportionately yeah. to how big by, of a fan. By you how are. much difference between the houses exists in your head already. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Like if you wouldn't hang out with someone who says they're from Ravenclaw, yeah. maybe that is a replay for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and as I said, the game gets darker and more serious as you go. At first, you're the student, and you're meeting all the other students, and it's like this little like high school, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's having fun, and we're sneaking around Hogwarts and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, though, you start fighting like dark wizards who are good at combat or just as good at combat as you are, have the same spells that you have. Um, the tone of the game changes. Like the, the students that you met at the beginning who are all smiley and happy, towards the end of the game are starting to do some serious shit and are like... It, it's kind of interesting how it evolves. It's not like a switch is flipped either. It just happens gradually over the course of the game that you start getting mixed up with these really bad people. And some of the people that you thought were these shiny, happy classmates, you get them out in the field and suddenly they're straight up killers. Like you're going out in these sorties where you're killing like 10 wizards or whatever. Like it does take a little bit of a, a turn. And I don't know if, you know, I don't have kids, but it might be a little too much for like young kids. I think this game got a teen rating. That's about right to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does kind of take I mean, a little bit of a turn. That's how old the people in the game are. You know? You're right. Yeah. Um, so overall, this game is amazing. Like, it is going to absolutely be one of my Game of the Year contenders at the end of the year. And I honestly think, Matt, most of the games come out this year are going to struggle to be as good as this game. If this is better than Spider-Man 2, something has gone horribly wrong. There's a good chance that it could be better than Spider-Man 2. I'm telling you right now. Like, that's how good this game is. Like... Last week, when I started seeing, like, 
some of the nines and the tens go up. I was like, these people have lost their damn minds. That makes me even have more questions about the IGN review because the text in that review does not reflect what you've been talking about for yeah. the last half hour. But now I can understand it. And I'll be honest with you, Matt. I do not know how a hardcore fan of Harry Potter does not give this a perfect 10. Like, I don't know how they did it. They must have just, it must have been excruciating for them to not give this game a perfect 10. Because it is that good. I don't even care about Harry Potter. And I love this game. And it just nails it. Again, like, every moment there's just something Harry Potter. Like, there's some little thing that's happening in Hogwarts. And Hogwarts is gigantic, by the way. Like, it is so big, there are probably 40 fast travel points just inside Hogwarts. That's how big the school is and how big the building is. And I don't know. I Now I look at that Metacritic of 84, I'm like, that's insane! This game is so much better than an 84. Like, it's not even, that's not even fair to this game. I don't, look, I'm not saying they're wrong. Maybe they chose a different house and they just didn't like it as much. I'm just telling you. Mm -hmm. Some of that might just be, you know, because it's interesting, like, your impressions are interesting because you are not, you do not have any emotional attachment to yeah, the Harry Potter none. franchise. And, like, yes, there's the Harry Potter fan, like what you're describing, that would struggle to not give it a 10. Mm -hmm. But there's also the Harry Potter fan that feels betrayed and, right. like, they don't like the franchise anymore. They feel guilty liking right. the franchise. And they're going to struggle the other direction. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. um, it's an interesting. Like, the Wired conundrum. review, you know, the Wired review was like a one out of 10. And I, then look, I, I understand. But like one of the cons they listed was that the graphics look a couple generations out of date. That's not true. That's nonsense. That's absolutely not. I mean, I haven't talked about the graphics in this. Like how? Like it looks really good. Oh, it's visually. freaking like, mind blowing. Like look, look at how good the robes are. It's insane. Because like, I've been watching the the footage and I'm just like, you, you, one of the things as a, as a Batman fan, one of the things that I pay attention to with the cloth fabric simulations is are that well, that's not great, but. <laughs> That's cool though. Look at other. that. But okay. But, like, but look but like, at that but, scene right there, Matt. So, but like I when you when you're looking at like whether the the flowing robes or capes of things are clipping through people's yeah. arms, or like, I haven't seen any of that in this footage. Watch this. Um, but watch this person tries to look around me, so he bends down to look around me. <laughs> but it looks like he's clipping through. He was you. clipping through. Yeah, yeah, but still, I'm saying the animation is there for him to go and like look, get behind you, and look around you to try to see where mm -hmm. their balls are. Like. The game is just loaded with stuff like that. Just all the time. It's just firing off and happening. Again, just being out in the open world and just like stumbling upon this little camp that has like, it's a mining camp, but all the mining equipment is operating on its own. Like some wizard somewhere has cast a spell on this camp. So all the picks, all the buckets, all the wheelbarrows, everything is just operating all on its own. Like it's magic. And you just run across this stuff all the time mm. like I, mean, I don't my, like harry potter this game has made me like harry potter more <laughs> seriously like my, my my question yeah i mean i wonder uh i'm i would be curious about how well it makes the world hang together because the world of harry potter doesn't hang together mm -hmm. so i wonder how much like duct tape and glue they managed to come up with on this to make it also you're dealing, dealing with a different time so you don't have to deal with some of the the nitpicky things yeah my, my my main question, you know, as someone who's not, I mean, I know Harry Potter. I read the books at the time. Like, I'm aware of it. I know, I know things because I remember things from what I read and watch. It's not like I care about Harry Potter really beyond that. Yeah. Um, my question when I look at this and hear you talk was like, where's the Star Wars game equivalent of this? I know. Why 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 don't other? I, where's the Marvel game equivalent? Why why is why is this the only one that seems to have gotten it? And how did these studios do this? Yeah, that's a good question. This is what blows my that's mind more than question. anything. How did the studios that make this game do this out of nowhere? 
I mean, maybe they just had the time and the money finally. I almost feel like some of these studios who have been making games Disney like Infinity this for so long have fallen into patterns and bad habits. It might be that like you're looking at a, a company that I mean, Avalanche has been around forever. And but they just never made games like no, this. No, but also they were never given a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, like I mean, I will always go to, go to bat for the 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 developer who's trying another genre. You know, I know you're skeptical about Fable because it's coming yeah. from a racing game developer, but I am not. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that's a barrier at all. I think you're looking at, you know, you could be looking at a Horizon situation where you Guerrilla Games was stuck making making these mediocre first-person shooters for however, however many years and they had a really good open world RPG yeah. in their in their back yep, pocket true. in the end. Yep. So, you know, you don't know when when all these guys are, are slaving away on on uh, Disney Infinity for all that time. You know, they're designing levels, they're figuring out ways to get around create yeah. to cram an entire IP into one like kind of open area like like that's that was good kind of good practice for good this sort of thing. For sure. You know? yep. Yep. Um, and then now you've got these guys that are may- maybe maybe it was a situation where it's like now all of a sudden they're unleashed with enough time and budget to sort of realize all these, you know, like you say, there's probably some Witcher. Th- you know, there's no way you're not making games like Disney Infinity and looking at a game like Witcher 3 yeah. and being like, man, we could do that. Yeah. And but I feel so like maybe these that's studios, because they had Also, I'm not before. clear on the division of labor between Avalanche and Portkey. Me either. Me either. Um, Portkey, I thought, was more of a sort of supervisor. It is. It is like the studio that was created just for this. Yeah, just to like shepherd Harry Potter. It's like a LucasArts kind yep. of thing. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Yep. And it, it appears that Avalanche did the actual developing. The building of the levels. That's what I would the assume. The character models, that, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Regardless... It's a great match. They've done an amazing job. I can't, how can anybody look at that, Matt, and say this game looks too like too different? I don't know. I mean, you know, you know that I am not interested in giving my money to this woman uh, through any means, even this one. Yeah. But like, I don't see how you look at this game and not think, yeah, that's a next gen game. Yeah. Like this is this is it's amazing. You could not do this on the previous Hell system. Hell no. There's no way. It's insane. Um, but anyway, I am enjoying the hell out of this game. I am like blown away by it. I just can't believe how good it is. I really can't. Mm. Again, like I got to like the 15 hour mark and I just put the controller down and I was like, damn, this game is like next level. I never, ever would have guessed it. Like, and I didn't read really any of the reviews before I started playing it. I had looked at the Metacritic average last week before we did the show, just to use it as a frame of reference. But I hadn't read like any of the reviews. I had seen some of the scores because I went and looked at Metacritic and I saw like the rundown of like the scores and saw that some people had given it like fives and sixes or whatever. But I had not read any of the reviews to see what any of their complaints were. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't read too many. I mean, I guess, I guess if you really hate open world games, here's your test. I guess. <laughs> like, if there. I mean, I, there are people that just hate those things. I don't. I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. Like, you know, this, you know, this kind. Of, this scene in particular is appealing to me. Like flying around and finding stuff to kill is kind of my bread and this, butter. I mean, this is a wet dream for that, Matt. Because again, everywhere you go, you never have to fly very far before you find a spot like this. And you can go on the map, too, and it'll tell you, like, here's a, a, an easy encampment. Here's a medium mm-hmm. encampment. Here's a hard encampment. And you can just set up, you know, something, uh, a waypoint or whatever, and you can just go through these and just immediately go do them if you want to. But you don't have to. You literally just fly around, and you're just constantly finding stuff. You land. You're like, what's this? You fiddle around with it for a little while. Oh, this is a puzzle. I just started the puzzle. And then you solve the puzzle. And then you're like, oh, are there more puzzles like this? You go and look at the map. You're like, oh, absolutely. there. And then you fly. It's... One of those games where it just the connective tissue between the missions and like telling the difference between a main mission and a side mission in this is very hard because the side missions are just as good and as interesting. It's just great. It's a great game. One of the biggest surprises that I can remember since Sifted launched like eight years ago. Just I've been blown away by this game in almost every way. 
Um, and this is the room right here I was talking about, Matt. What would you mm-hmm. call it again? The room of requirement. Yeah, this is the room of requirement. Here. But in in the in the lore, the room of requirement is a thing that you can you find in Hogwarts, and basically it's whatever you need it to be. Yep, that's why they couch it in this as well. Also, eventually that's you get... the room that the Harry Potter and the and their anti Voldemort team like meet to like practice their offensive like their attacking spells and stuff gotcha. when they're not allowed to to do that. And eventually you can there's animals that you're raising in there. It's like a little mm-hmm. mini zoo. So you're like doing that. You're you're mixing up spells. You're growing plants, um, and you're decorating it all. You can like there's a, the and little Pete's living in the dorm. Yeah, the little dude. You can tell him to just give one of like six themes. All or, right, you get, you get your own slave. That's cool. Yeah, that's, pretty that's much. Great. Yeah, or you can go in and do it like piece by piece, and then put each individual picture on the walls where you want it. Put each piece of furniture where you want it in there. You can basically just build whatever you want, and it's this little like simulation. In the middle of this awesome open world action RPG, um, again, just really blown away by this game. Just shocked by its quality. It's but no Quidditch, huh? No Quidditch. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, like, do I miss it? No. No, I wouldn't think so. I don't really. miss it like, at all because like it would only be missed in the sense that it's part of the complete experience. But like, yeah. I would also argue that there is arguably no way to make a Quidditch game good yeah. because it's a dumb, it's a dumb sport. sport. It so, is, yeah. like, maybe it's better to just leave the little it. other activities that you saw on the B-roll there. Those are way more interesting and fun to me than maybe in the next Quidditch. game they could they could have like Quidditch betting. <laughs> like, you don't play the Quidditch match; you just bet on it. <laughs> that probably would be a better implementation of it. Uh, let's see if you guys have any questions. Because I'm guessing a lot of people are sitting on the foot on the fence on this. And I like, don't think so. I think really? I think you either got it or you don't. Yeah. At this point. You think so? I think a lot of unless lot of you really like, don't care about Harry Potter yeah. and are just sort of like why? If you're like a person who doesn't care about Harry Potter, at the point that you wouldn't even try a Harry Potter game, yeah. without being told something, you know. I feel like some people are wrestling with morality versus how good is this game? Like, because mm-hmm. they're like, look, if it, it's easy to boycott a crappy game, so if there's if mm-hmm. this game was awful. And it, you know, dealing with J.K. Rowling and everything, you're like, I don't want to give him. It's easy. It's like I'm just not going to buy it. It gets more difficult as the game gets better. And this game is really good, so it's that's a tough conundrum for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they hear more from people like me who think the game is amazing, and they get less of the five out of ten, six out of ten rhetoric. It may become more challenging for them. So if you guys have any questions, I'll answer all of them if you have them. Again, I'm about 20-some hours in, so there may be some stuff I may not quite know the answer to yet, but um, I'll answer everything that I can. Uh, um, someone's asking, what Toys to Life did Avalanche do? They did Disney Infinity, mm-hmm. which was probably the best of the Toys to Life franchises. That was a good one. Yeah. Like that, that also had pretty good comp. Like the... Not overall, but like the, the lightsaber stuff was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they, they had some good combat ideas in that. Yeah. Um, AJ the Legend Watson is asking, based off what you've played, have the reviews been what you expected? So, that's a loaded question. So, <laughs> I didn't expect the reviews to be anything until I played it. Because, for all I know, they're right. If, like, they say it's terrible, then it maybe it's terrible because I haven't played it. So, now that I have played it, am I surprised at its aggregate review score? Yes, I absolutely am. I think it's way too low. Um, am I surprised that there are some outlets that just gave it, like, really low scores because they... Because of the J.K. Rowling thing? No, I'm not surprised by that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I figured some would. I would argue that I'm surprised that some of the bigger outlets have done it. Like Although the even guys, if you even if you bump stuff up to kind of compensate for that, somehow, I think you're still in sort of Spider-Man territory where you're like 88, really? Yeah. Like 
You know, it, it's interesting. Um, you wonder if there's some kind of open world licensed IP issue there. Yeah. Where like, you know, fatigue, you mean? Fati- not fatigue, but just sort of like the idea that it can't be better than that. Yeah. The idea that, you know, oh, it's a, it's a, Mar- it's a Spider-Man game. How can it be a 9.5 or yeah. something? Or like, could be right. You know, there, there's a weird, you know, and I, I don't even know if that would be the reviewer so much as like the editorial boards or editorial people because the editorial people tend to be older yeah more are closer to our age yeah. and and kind of have influencers that. we and... kind of have you know we, i try not to but we still sort of had the things like licensed game uh-oh you know yeah. like, like we, for years and years we licensed games licensed yeah. games were the guarantee like it was gonna suck that's why spider-man 2 was unique because everybody like the web swinging was cool if you go back to that game now that game blows yeah like, like other than the web swinging yeah that game blows yeah, yeah. like it's terrible in the same way all the other Activision licensed stuff was terrible until you got to like Web of Shadows or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, but we just think you know that, that that can be a thing. You know the idea that like oh we can't we can't give a, we can't give a Spider Man we can't give a Harry Potter game a yeah rating that might be part of it. Crazy. So I don't know like it like if it's that good in the same way that I you know having replayed Spider Man recently that Spider Man is also that good and it kind of it languishes in, in the eighties as well mm-hmm. and it's like that's weird yeah but sometimes it happens to licensed stuff. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question of the reviews, if I had played the game and then read the reviews, the reviews would not be what I expected. <laughs> I think that they should be higher overall and, and just in general. Um, Cinetike, the game is not perfect, but let's be honest, what other game explores this IP in such variety and expanse? Is there a Star Wars game like this? Matt asked that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other IP would you want to explore in this way? I mean, All countless. Of them, frankly, All of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that good. Like There yeah. is no reason a Star, a Star Wars shouldn't have a game like this. No. There, there, this should I have hate been, to say it. This like, should, I mean, I recognize that you pick Battlefront first because a multiplayer ongoing game is a... But how is that not your next fucking stop? Right. I bet you, I bet you money... This kind of thing was the original idea for for Jedi Fallen Order. Probably, like you end up with a, but you don't have the ambition of the team. You have the ambition, but you don't have the team or the money or whatever. I think Motive's game was going to be like this. Yeah, I, I bet that was absolutely, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Amy Hennig was aiming for yeah. something in that realm too. I agree. It's sad and it sounds like get... Ubisoft is trying to make something. If Ubisoft continues to exist long enough to get that game made, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you say one thing or the other about quality of what game or whatever, but at least this one fucking came out. Yeah, as opposed to everything, all the Star Wars projects that keep dying. I would love all the IP that I love to yeah. be treated like this game. Treat hell, Harry Potter. What if Madden was right? This good exactly, <laughs> exactly. All of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking about that after like, thinking about the watching this and thinking about the B roll of FIFA, the story mode in FIFA that you ran in the, yeah. in the housekeeping thing. I'm like, yeah. What if? What if those game storylines were that? We're good? actually good. I know. Like, I would play that. I, see, I don't care about soccer, but I, I would play beat that. This drum for so long that people are just like, "But it's Madden, so I don't expect it." It's like, no, it's like. But you could. It, right. You could expect this it. This goes back and, to our gaming value. But the where thing people is, like, get mad if we give like a zero if it didn't have mm-hmm. connectivity. It's the same argument. It's like, but these games could have connectivity, but they don't normally have them. So why are you docking them? Because they could. They could ultimately have a good online mode that would make this game better than the other game that doesn't have it. So, it's an argument as old as time. <laughs> well, the the weird <laughs> thing old as our the time. weird thing about the sports stuff like that is that like the drama of sports is like a large part of the appeal to sports. Mm-hmm. It seems to me to sports fans. Yeah. It's also the only thing that can get me to care about sport. You yeah. Know, like that, you know, watching a movie about, you know, not, I mean... Not the actual sport. There was a funny exchange with one of my, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers, Steve Shives, who um, was talking about 
football stuff and, and how Rudy is actually kind of a terrible movie um, and he doesn't like it very much and someone <laughs> says well what are, what are your he's like they're like yeah I like Rudy but I wouldn't make it like someone's like I wouldn't probably wouldn't make my top 10 football movies what are, what are some of your favorite football movies and Steve Shive says you realize that asking me that is like asking me about my top 10 favorite times I've been stuck in traffic yeah, like, like there are no yeah, favorites it's just not no but like <laughs> if you make a, a solid sports movie that like is that really captures the drama of sports or the or the or the 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 appeal of it like i think like field of dreams does it doesn't you know you don't get a great baseball game finale and yeah. that like the natural or something but you if the games could if video games about those sports could capture and don't even have to tie you know, you'd still have the normal season mode franchise but but if you put in like a story driven thing that really captures what people love about the drama and human element of of the sport yeah. like i don't see how that doesn't elevate and give you some if you get people talking about it the way people would be talking about this or a spider-man or a star wars game yep. equivalent like i don't you know i would There's play no reason that why it doesn't exist i haven't bought a madden game since the 90s yeah but i would play that yeah no question but I bet if you ask ea why they haven't done it they'll be like because people don't expect that why would they want that in a madden game but no i think if you ask ea ea that you just get <laughs> <laughs> How did you find us? Uh, We've been saying, hiding for years. No one has no no one knows where we are. Sneaky saying eighty four is not a good score. I mean, it's an okay score. I just personally believe it deserves much higher. I think other games mm-hmm. that are eighty four are if not. If we as use the whole game. scale, it would be a great score. Oh yeah, but absolutely. we do not. But we don't. Yeah, games become bad at seventy. Yeah, we know that. Yep. Um, that wire review is unacceptable. Yeah, it's a pretty silly. I understand what they're going for, but it's a pretty silly move. Yeah, and the con the for me, it's not the one out of ten because I don't really care about the numerical scores that much. It's the it's the cons list that I'm like, there's a couple. Look, I play cons on this game from a from a, an ethical and social and and monetary standpoint, but like some of that's just false. Yeah. Like it's it does not look two generations old. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Absurd. Like it's completely at- <laughs> nonsense. It's, it's stupid. One of the first things anyone noticed about the game when that footage leaked years ago was like, wow, this looks good. Like visually looks great. Yeah. Like it all that was all it was always a next gen thing. Yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. That's insane. I can just tell you, having played it a ton of it, it's <laughs> it's that's not true. Yeah, and some people talk about like uh, Mad Max, like that's a different avalanche. Right. That's a, there are, there are there two, are two different Avalanche studios. Yeah, and I and, can't remember which one this is. An Avalanche Software and an Avalanche Studios. And the one I think this is software. Yeah, there's the one that makes open world games. And if yeah, it was that other, one, yeah, that's the you just, would understand. Right. That's the Just Cause <laughs> right. uh, Mad Max people. The other in Avalanche. Utah. Yeah. No, these are in Utah. Oh, these guys are in Utah. Disney Infinity's in Salt Lake City. Okay. The other Avalanche. I don't remember where the other is Avalanche. Texas, guys. maybe. I think Texas. Yeah. Somewhere. But they're two different studios, and one does have experience making. Yeah, open world this is games. the one that didn't. This one didn't have experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's Rock and Roll Four Five Eight. Shaney said during Sifted's Death Space coverage, "Your frustrated games no longer innovative. Developers are not taking risks. It seems like you're big on this being potential game of the year. Do you feel this is an innovative, boundary pushing game? I believe it does. Yes, it does things in open world games that other open world games have not done. I think I've explained that already, mostly with the open world." and the map and the lack of dead space in the map like they haven't made this world big for the sake of making it big so they have a bullet point on the box art that says biggest open world ever they made this open world the size it needed to be to make it fun to play in their open world and i wish more open world games did that also yes i would argue the the way that they've handled the magic combat in this is in fact innovative how many games have we played that have magic casting in them and none of them have handled the combat as well as mm-hmm. this game does? So I'm I'm impressed that they did not um 
they they managed to avoid the crutch of a melee attack. Yeah, there's like, no even, melee. Even in just this. a bop somebody yeah. in the head with a back ear wand kind no, of thing. There's nothing. Um, that that's a that's an impressive yeah. like, commi- sure like commitment well, to the. They bit. wanted to do it. I can't. Oh yeah. You. They probably had ten meetings about should we put it in? Should we not? Should we put it in? Should we not? And there's also like if you look at this b-roll. There's all this little hidden stuff that you find. So when you use your scanning ability, um, that that spell that's mapped to left on the D-pad. You never know what you're going to uncover in every room in the game. Like, you hit that scan, there could be a ghost in there. Like, you just don't. Every room in Hogwarts could have something cool in it if you scan the room. So you scan like a maniac. Like, they just have na- to me, they've nailed almost anything. I hear Kevin Roffa says you can catch and breed beasts. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, how you turn, like, uh, the room into, like, a zoo. Huh. Um... Well, let's see if we had any other questions here. Uh, the J-Bone 29, in regards to Spider-Man 2, someone asked me how the, the sound is in this. It's incredible. All the voice acting is amazing. The music, amazing. I'm guessing they just took the music from the films, though. It sounds like they did to me. I don't know, because I'm not a big enough my, Harry my, Potter fan. I, I don't know one way or the other, but my guess would be you had someone composing music based on the Williams score. Yeah. Like, kind of like what they do with Star Wars, where everything kind of sounds like Star Wars, yeah. but it's not Star Wars. The other Wars. thing I would say, too, is, like, all games I capture footage from, I turn the music down and all, actually off while I'm capturing footage. This game does not sound empty with the music turned off. There's enough ambient sound and stuff going on in the game world that it actually sounds just fine playing it without music. You put the music on, though, and now you're playing a Harry Potter movie. The way it swells and interacts with the action and the stuff that happens on screen is perfect. They do a great job with the audio in this. Anyway, back to the J-Bone 29. In regards to Spider-Man 2, Insomniac will have to do something new and have a different location for a third Spider-Man game in six years to top this. Eh. I mean, I, honestly, I don't even want to compare this to Spider-Man. You know, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> like, It will be, though. It will be, ultimately, the at the end year. of the year, for sure. But right now, it's just a great open-world action RPG. Yeah. Regardless and, what happens with and Spider-Man. And two, two, two Hogwarts games from now, people will be saying the same thing about, like, you got to go to another school in, in the third one or something because we've yeah. seen Hogwarts already. Um, here's a challenge for you. Do do one that takes place 100 years from now. Future future Hogwarts. Yeah. What does that look like? I don't know. My, one of my questions is always, like, how they adapt technology because right. in the books it's like, Ron's father doesn't know what a phone is, even right. though he's the guy who's supposed to be the liaison to the Muggle world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has to ask Hermione how phones work. Yeah. But they have a train. Yeah. How did they get a train in 1899 <laughs> if they don't like technology and don't care about technology? Why, why, why don't they just like magic up? You can apparate kids. Just right. Zap, why do they put them on a train? Because a train is cool. That's why. Right. Because that's a great conveyance from the mundane world to the magical yeah, yeah. world as a literary device it is a very useful well, is it thing the train, but though? like it has to come from the real world right to take them there well, it's all the it's all the real world yeah. like it's just hidden it's just like magically you like if you flew over hogwarts in a plane you wouldn't see it right but you had to start somewhere where people can see it so it has to mm-hmm. be something they're familiar with right you could put them on a like well, not for this time frame you couldn't use a car either no, cars wouldn't exist. So they had the trains before they had the cars. Right. So it's right on the fringe of a train being realistic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, trains existed. They probably wouldn't be this nice. Yeah. Uh, but like, no, it's, I, that's what I mean by like when you when you think about the world too long, it all just comes apart. Lots of fantasy, sci-fi, yeah. or that way. You do have to. This one though is is it. is a. I'm impressed they managed to create something as coherent as they have here mm-hmm. because. They're dealing with a house of cards. Yeah, they uh, could just crumble at any moment. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Zabumafu with the Crack Bros asked, did Forspoken suffer from Horizon Syndrome where it released too close to a big release like Zelda? I think Forspoken suffered from being itself. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Like, after no. now having played this compared to Forspoken, this kicks Forspoken's ass yeah. well, in so like, every way. Yeah, Horizon is a vastly better game than Forspoken. Yeah. So, like, no, I think if Forspoken had been better... Yeah. then maybe but like i don't think at the end of the year anyone's gonna be like oh it's a shame that forspoken got overshadowed by hogwarts or it would have been a game of the year contender. No, that's not that's not a th- yeah, the only I thing i would say that i like more in forespoken is the story because again i'm not mm-hmm. a huge harry potter fan yet this story still sucked me in and kept there me- is definitely forespoken i can definitely see it has more of a um oh what is this world right. like, there's more of a sense of discovery yep. in terms of like that's what's happening and how it kind of unfolds and you're like oh that's what's going on yep so, but which just isn't, but that's also not what you're looking for in a Harry Potter. If, you know, Forspoken is that way because it's a new IP. In, yeah. a, in, a, in an in a established, like, beloved IP, you're not looking for that. You're yeah. looking, you know, like in a Star Wars version of this, I wouldn't be looking for someone to explain to me what a Jedi is. I'd be looking for, like, you know, oh, I found my lightsaber. Oh, I found Rodians. Oh, I found Hammerhead guy. You know, it's like, it's like finding those elements and finding those aspects of the world that you're, you know and, and, and enjoy. Whereas, like, you know, Forspoken gets to, you know, either, you know, you can consider that a strength or a weakness, whether whatever yeah. you prefer. But Forspoken gets to build its own world and sort of that's part of the journey you go on. And the question kind of becomes, is that a satisfying set of answers for yeah. you? That's um, a good way to put it. I think that the Forspoken's problem isn't that. The Forspoken's problem is that uh, Forspoken is an excellent example of an open world that is too big for how much content it yep. has. That's the, exactly right. Yep. There's just lots of dead space, which is why they mm-hmm. put, like, the crazy, like sprint in the parkour in yeah. there so you're not burning a ton of time and there like, is like stuff to, uh, there is actually a ton of stuff to find in the open world but none of it is particularly interesting yeah like i found a little group of guys and i killed them all and i got a uh, i got a, a chest treasure opened. chest yeah. and the chest gave me like a level one this th- I'm a, i don't even mm-hmm. remember what's and I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm five seconds away from it and i don't remember what was in the chest already yeah. like it just and or, or even worse you fight the thing and you open the thing and you're already full of whatever the chest yeah. had and you can't even pick it up that so. happens in the early part of this game too that is another slight complaint I would have is in the early going you're like you're constantly looking for some place to sell your stuff because the economy in this game is stingy AF mm. that's the other thing like buying something for like a thousand gold in this is a huge investment mm. like where you sit there for like a couple minutes you're like do I really want to spend all this because it could take you a couple hours of in game time to get a thousand gold so there's a lot of times where you're like oh I don't want to destroy this equipment but here's this new hat that's like three levels better than the hat i have right now i'm going to destroy something in my inventory because i don't have the time to go someplace and sell it right now so there's a little bit of that in this game um from the big smoke 82 when you use your magic is a character constantly saying speleomus and stuff like that <laughs> not a harry potter fan no that does not happen so how, you probably saw in some of the b-roll there's this screen that comes up where you draw like a line and you do like button inputs as you follow the line that's where you learn the spell. When you learn the spell, then yes, they they do the whole presentation mm-hmm. with the name. Once you're in combat and you're fighting, no. You just fire off the spells and your character doesn't say the name of the spell. That is, that is not lore correct, but like it's definitely an improvement. Yeah. Like it's, it, the, the fact that the spells sometimes seem to, it's like they need to be yelled like anime attacks is weird in yeah. the movies. Yeah. Um, El Guapo3385, does Hogwarts utilize the dual sense well? It does. Yeah. Uh, each spell feels different with the triggers when you fire them off. Like, there will be catch points, almost like a gun. 
Um, and just in general, the feedback that you get just being in the world, they do a really good job with it. So yeah, they actually program to the dual sense instead of just having it just have generic force feedback. Uh, see if I have any more. Uh, Mitchell's alive and looking around the internet trying to find the evidence of JK donating to anti-trans organizations, but the only piece I've found is an endorsement of a candidate who has voted on legislation on the wrong side of history. In the States, Joe Biden has also been found to have had similar views. How is that different than endorsements of JB from the industry during the last election? That's a really long question. Mm-hmm. Wait, Joe Biden doesn't like trans people? Joe Biden had his own views like, you know, decades ago. Joe, I... I also haven't given money to Joe Biden. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Like, if Joe Biden put out a video game based on books he wrote, Mitchell I would also is, not Mitchell buy that. Mitchell here is deploying the whataboutism. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's it's weak, not a useful That's a weak comparison. argument, Mitchell. Come on, man. You can do better than that. At the very least, like... Um, <laughs> the yeah. classic whataboutism. Like, I, she, she is a very prominent figure, even if you don't believe that she has donated to anti-trans organizations, which she has. Um, you, at the very least, she is a very loud voice against trans people, and uh, I contrib- mean, she hasn't backed down. No, and she contributes to a, 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 a an atmosphere of hate for them that uh, results in a very, very more difficult life than they even already need to need to live. I have no interest yeah. in supporting that. Look, also, if you're going to go back in someone's life and look at them in like 1985 and look at something that they said then and be like, okay, well, that means you feel that way for the rest of your life. That's not really fair. No. I mean, if Joe Biden said something about trans people in the 80s and you're holding it against him now, that's also a weak argument. Yeah, uh, I mean, he brought trans people up uh, in a positive light in his State of the Union address a week and a half ago. Let's see her do that. Yeah. Um, Andy T. Monahan, are we stubbed the Switch version to come out and trying to fit all this in? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's got to be a cloud version. <laughs> There's no, no way it's going to be anything but a cloud version. There's no way. Um, Big Dave Lizard, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's 9 or it's shit, unfortunately. That's how the world works now. You're kind of right. And this game deserves to be around that area instead of where it is right now. Sir Spider, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, Any other questions? AJ the Legend, really sucks that someone never experienced a game based off the actions of JK. I agree. Um, And so that brings us to the end of the discussion, where I'm supposed to tell you whether you should buy the game or not. And for this game, I I can't tell you whether you should buy it or not. That comes down to you and how you feel about all the stuff surrounding this. I'm not going to tell you how to feel about it. All I'm going to tell you is that this is a really awesome video game. And if you're a Harry Potter fan, it's going to give you wet dreams. That's all I can say. Um, The cultural stuff around it, that's up to you. You have to decide whether you're willing to support something like this. Um, I will say this. It's a shame in hindsight that they did not make this game based on another IP. Hmm. Seriously, though, because the, the people who made this game, they did an amazing job and they deserve to be rewarded for it. And they're probably not going to be rewarded as much as they should be. I think they be- will, because this thing's going to sell like seven million copies. You think so? It's the number one seller on every platform. Yeah. It's doing extremely well. It's the second biggest Steam single player game of all time. Yeah. It's a big deal. Like, there is no, I mean, if there is, it's just another example of how boycotts in video games don't work. They don't really work, period. They know. Well, they don't work, period. Well, part of it is, is like, like they have worked with specific brands of specific needed things in the past, but like, 
no one sticks to it in game. Like and when it comes to entertainment products, no one sticks to it. Like yeah. it's the, it's just like the Call of Duty thing where everybody was upset about what was that? What was that for? Was that dedicated servers issues or what? I don't remember what. The, yes. Was that what that was? Yeah. And so everyone's not going to buy Call of Duty Modern yeah. Warfare Two or whatever, and everybody buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two anyway. Like, yeah. like it just doesn't work in this space. Yeah, it. Do, I don't think it works anywhere, Matt. People are too dedicated to their own enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. I don't think boycotts generally work at all, unfortunately. Um, also, I think the the calls for boycotts boosted sales. I think tons of people bought this game just to be an asshole. Um, Tiny Lip in history says it looks like it's backfiring. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, any team on hand controversy creates cash at least in this instance so far I don't think we have any numbers though other than the Steam pre-sale Steam pre-sale I mean that's not a number but it's you know it's sold better than every other single player game at Beat Fallout 4 so that's not so something yeah I mean and then it was the number one pre-ordered game on PS PlayStation and Xbox stores for several weeks on the run but again we don't know numbers I'm sure Warner Brothers will announce numbers at some point because it sounds like it was pretty high we just know they were the top pre-orders but there's not really anything else to pre-order at that point, so yeah. that doesn't tell us a whole lot. But That's I'm going true. to guess this is in the five to seven million units sold by the end of the year. I range. do wonder how many they need to sell to make a profit on this game, because uh, I mean, I can tell Warner, a lot of people worked on. Well, this yeah, game. sure, they spent a lot of money on it, I'm sure, but like, and you're losing. What I can't percent I, of the right, IP. but I also don't think. I don't, uh, let's not judge Warner Brothers' expectations by, like, squares, you know? Like, yeah. I don't think Warner, uh, Warner Brothers is a multimedia conglomerate monster. They know not to expect something to sell 20 million copies. If you know? it says 10 million, I think they'll consider it a smash Absolutely. Abs- yeah. I think 7 would be. Yeah. I think, I, I, no doubt. But, like, I don't think you can... I mean, Square is unique in its whole, like, Tomb Raider didn't sell 15 million copies, so it's a failure thing. You yeah. know, like, that's nonsense. That doesn't... You know... I know sales expectations can be unreasonable in some sectors in this industry, but like I think people expect everyone to be square in that a little too much. Like yeah. Warner Brothers has realistic sales targets for things. They they yeah, they, they know. know. Yep. They know. Um, also, bug free. I've had no bugs or crashes. I saw. I believe Johnny Hurricane in chat saying that he had some bugs. I don't know what platform he's playing on. I'm playing on PS5. I've the had P- no bugs. The PC version is is a little. Is it sketch? But PC versions just tend to be that. I mean, I don't, that doesn't seem to be unique to this game. I thought there was a bug because I started going downstairs, and I thought that it was like drawing. Like, oh no, that's just what stairs the do game. in Hogwarts. Because yeah, that's it's... what the game does. It builds the environments right in front of your face, like, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. Like, it happens all the time, and it's really cool. How annoying would that be if you were late to class? Yeah. Like I <laughs> couldn't get right here. There. The stairs were out. Like, I don't know. You know. Yep. Uh, so I guess all I would say is, like, you need to decide for yourself morally whether you're willing to support the product or not. But I'll just tell you this. If you do decide to support the product, it's a really high-quality, great product. It's a great video game. And, again, this is coming from somebody who is not a big Harry Potter fan. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll just leave it at that. Matt, do you think you'll ever play it? Because I'll say this, too. I thought about you all week because, Matt, <laughs> you will love this game. Maybe. I, I mean, I will, if I can find like a used copy, uh, maybe, because that way money wouldn't go directly right. to her. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I, I, but I also like feel bad about like, you know. I could I, just give you mine and you could take it after I'm done. Maybe. Like, that so might, I got the disc based version. Yeah. Because so. I, I feel, also, I feel bad like if I That's play. That's why you buy disc versions because you can loan them to your friends. Right. <laughs> also, I feel bad that like, you know, like if I, if I play it, and like my trans friends see on my friends list that I'm playing mm-hmm. this game, and do they get upset? You know, does that bother? Yeah. Them? What do they think? Do they think I bought it? Do I need, right. do I need to? Yeah. You can't explain it to everybody. No, yeah. like if you're playing this game, 
um, is going to cause some judgments, and I think that's fair. It is fair. Like, yeah. because in the end, yeah, it's a really good game, apparently. You know, you say it's a really good game. What they're really just asking you to do is nothing. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't right. play this thing. Yeah. Don't buy this it thing. It would be so easy it's if the easy game were crap. Get, yeah. It, well, it's really easy anyway, because yeah. there's thousands of other games to play. Yeah. But, like, that don't, you know, hurt, hurt trans, the, your trans friends. If you have any trans friends, that's another issue. If you don't yeah. have anyone in your life that would be hurt by this, I guess you don't have any reason well, to do I that. Would argue that. But I would argue that people are okay with what she's doing don't probably do not have trans probably friends. Probably not. Um, but I, I think it shows a lack of character at the very yeah. least. It's not, you know, if you're if you're just doing it to do it, as opposed to like, I mean, obviously, I have a lot of people on my list that have played it, but they have to play it because it's their job. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't really go by it's that. Different. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, like when you, I think that's kind of the key is like a bunch of people that, you know, if they if you're saying you're friends with these people or these people like, you know, like are supposed to consider you an ally. If you can't do nothing when they say, hey, if you don't do this, it would help me. How can they trust you to do something when the chips are really down? I can understand that. Um, yep. So like that's that's pretty much the core of that argument yeah and i don't agree with going around screaming at people who are streaming the game or whatever right. you know it's like I, 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 like people. we all know like yeah, ever, yeah. if you're in that space if you're streaming video games on twitch you know the controversy over this and you've made your choice you also and know that people screaming at you isn't going to change people, anything they're, well they're also probably going to scream at you anyway even if you don't if you well, play yeah. some other game <laughs> well honest. yeah different people will scream at you if you play something else <laughs> right. because then it's too woke right. or whatever or just you know. whatever people are just that that way online so oh people, yeah i mean it's yeah. the screaming is the is the default mode at this point yeah but um no i mean that that's kind of the core of the controversy there but it's like i think everyone knows the battle line now yeah uh, at least in our no secret obviously the average like you know out there like regular people that don't know this stuff are just buying the game for their kid and they don't know and then eventually they're like what are you doing to those dark wizards tommy <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, maybe not for the eight-year-old i don't know yeah um but like uh yeah I, at this point it's just make your own decision and be aware that there's probably you know ethical consequences that come with it in terms of your relationships with other people but if if you don't care about that or if you don't have other people that are going to care about that like that's your choice yeah so there I'm you not going to stop anybody from trying to play this game. Like yeah. it's it's out there if yeah. you want it. I can loan you mine eventually when I'm done. There you go. That's Hogwarts Legacy. Um, again, a great video game mired in some bad. Culture. Liberal hack. Playing the game is not what shows the lack of character. What shows the lack of character is being unable to sacrifice a tiny thing through inaction to support actual real people who are suffering from things that are precipitated by the attitudes J.K. Rowling shows repeatedly and has no no sense of, of remorse for. That's what shows that. Not playing a video game. Yeah. Don't Don't try to dismiss this or try to play it down as some kind of weird little twist on the words that's not what i said knock it off what did he say playing the game shows a lack of character lol that is not what the lack of character is playing a game the lack of character is not being strong enough in character to forego a piece of enjoyment because of something that matters to people who should matter to you yeah that's what the lack of there's a lot of mental juggling going on here because people love harry potter they love open world action rpgs and now that they're hearing from some people like me that it's like a game of the year no it is not a long way of saying the same thing knock it off yeah stop He's been going after you over this. For yeah, like, I know. On the website. I, for, for weeks, yeah. and I'm done with it. Stop. Yeah, I don't know why you're doing that, man. I don't get it. Weird. Hack indeed. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's complicated. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> it's, uh, but all I can say is it's a great video game. And uh, if 
you know, again, it's the decision you have to make for yourself. But I'll tell you this, if you do spend the money and get the game, you're probably gonna be happy with the actual product that you paid for. So there you go. That is Hogwarts Legacy. And probably the last time I'll talk about it unless some crazy stuff happens, because I don't think there's any DLC plan for this. At least I haven't heard about any. No, I mean, they might create one because it's considering really it's so well. successful. Like, yeah. I don't know how they you... add kid itches. Like, I mean, you could do side stuff, side stories, yeah. whatever. I mean, and their side quests are real good. So hopefully it stays up to scratch. Yeah, you could definitely create like some kind of, I mean, you could do a lot of stuff. You could have stuff that takes place in London. You mm -hmm. could do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There you go. That is Hogwarts Legacy. Next up. Nintendo had a huge direct this week, and I mean huge. It had several gigantic games, a lot of information people were waiting to get for a long time. And the best part is, it focused entirely on games that are coming out in the first half of 2023. Nothing that comes out after that. I'm a little nervous of what's going to happen in the second half of 2023 for Switch. I did see that. Oh, like, I think they got stuff. Nintendo actually said, like, don't worry. No, like, I, there's they, stuff coming. I mean, they always do this. We the never know anything. I'm starting to think that they're about to bail on Switch. Because everyone's in the no, inevitably I don't, the next hardware is going to be so. unveiled. I, I think I think that you're going to see a whole bunch of new shit, and but I think I think we're going to see another generation changeover with the with whatever the successor to the Switch is, where um, everything's going to be on both. Yeah, I think I think you're going to have tons of cross generational compatibility between the Switch and whatever its successor ends up being. Yeah, I think that's a given. I mean, point. I just don't think Nintendo's stupid. Like, no, 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 it's no. not going to stop making software for the Switch. Like, I would argue we're going to do deal with cross gen software for Switch, maybe for the entire lifespan of the Switch Two or whatever the hell it's end up called. Like, mm -hmm. I have a feeling almost every game that comes out for the successor to Switch is going to be playable on the Switch. Abandoning that install base would be idiotic. Particularly now when it's so easy to make games, as we're seeing with PS4 and PS5 development and Xbox One and Xbox Series development, it's so easy now to just make something for the more powerful platform. Yeah. So I, the, Nintendo is not going to leave Switch people in the cold. Uh, yeah. There's no so way. So don't worry At about it. At the very like, least, they're going to know that they're not going to be able to make enough of the new system to meet demand to the point that you can expect all the people who have Switches to suddenly have the next system. Yeah. So, no, I think I think you will have cross-compatibility for a couple of years. I almost feel like sometimes, like, Nintendo influencers think that they are actually influencing Nintendo. I think that they're delusional, and they think that, oh, if we bring this stuff up, like, it'll keep it from happening or whatever. Like, no, like, Nintendo doesn't listen to you. It dances along to the beat of its own drum, which is why it's very successful, I would add. Um, but anyway, the Nintendo Direct that happened this week was impressive. It was wall-to-wall -wall with stuff that we care about, not the least of which was a brand new trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It finally did show off a little bit more of the story, although, do you feel like you know what's going on in this game? No. I still don't. Like... I'm no, I mean, they haven't really told us anything. There's still people taking bets as to whether you're going to be able to play as Zelda. Oh, really? Because it looks like me. You know, that would be one of the obvious next steps would be to either have her playable or to have co-op with her playable. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, you know, there's a moment where he, you know, at the end of this thing, I think this is actually kind of a bad trailer. Yeah, it's not great. Um, in part because in part because of exactly what you're talking about. We, it doesn't really tell us anything new. Yeah. Like we see a bunch of scenes and we see Zelda-y things happening. But we still don't know anything else. No, like, the plot really is, is still a mystery to me. Like, obviously, we played Breath of the Wild, so we know what happens. But are we even sure? Like, does this take place, like, X number of years after Breath? Do we even know that yet? I don't know. I don't think we I do. I mean, clearly, it is after Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But, like, but like how And it seems like after? a different 
uh, also the other thing that I was a little shocked. I mean, where was all the stuff in the sky during Breath of the Wild? That's now here. Well, this it, is new. Like, whatever, whatever this is, is something new that causes a whole cataclysm after that. In I the don't same know. area as Breath of the Wild? Yeah, it's the castle. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so something happens and all this stuff breaks just, the world. descends down from space or something. I don't know. Something breaks Talk the about world. Talk suspending disbelief, as we seems said earlier. To have, uh, seems to have spread. You know, I mean, it's just it's magic. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever, anything can happen. So clearly there's an underground and it looks like there's a... So it looks like they basically split the world into three levels. Here's like the 20 seconds of the trailer and that actually Link has matter. some kind of like... like that's bizarre. This that's is, some, this some is Banjo-Kazooie like, nuts and bolts shit. It is. <laughs> um, but like also... And Link has like something happened to his right arm. Like he's... It's, yeah, he has like a... It's like... Ste- it's made out of steel. Or it's like decay... Or something's up. It's It looks like some kind of Princess Mononoke thing. Yeah. Um... And that's the arm he's reaching out to Zelda with at the end, which I don't know. I, I don't seems know. Like I don't every, know. <laughs> I know. Seems the like every thing, action game has to. Yeah, have it's the, like it's like it's turning into the 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 biotech of the of the bad guys. Yeah. Um, also, like, uh, it's a big deal. The glove weird, or whatever he's wearing yeah. is a big deal. It's. Weird. I think it's part of his arm. I think it's some kind of thing like that uh, the other th- thing that's weird is um the vehicle building stuff it appears like they've made it so that the stuff that people jimmied to make it work in breath of the yeah, wild they, do, they seem to have picked that up and they're just now it. a part of the game like look yeah. at that thing <laughs> what the hell is that that's yeah, a that's a, a zelda buggy <laughs> and that is straight out of breath of the wild like people made these yeah, crazy made like things, airships yeah. that could fly them all over the place and it wasn't supposed to work that yeah. way but the other thing that I, I was a little surprised by was how like it's all the same enemies. Yeah. Like, there's no new... There wasn't a lot of new stuff in it. It was like... It was like a, all the same thing. enemies and sort of the same manipulating of objects. And then they had these, like, sort of, hey, those thing, those stupid human tricks that people figured out with Breath of the Wild, they're part of the designed gameplay now. Yeah, now they're just written um, into the code. Yeah. Yeah. Which, cool, but at the same time, I'm, I still don't... Like, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because it, it's, it's not. It's doesn't. not like no one's gonna buy it and they're gonna stop, not buy it because they don't understand what the trailer's trying to tell them. But like, it's weird how little information we have. I mean, I assume it's gonna have its own direct or something in April of or whatever. Yeah, I would also, you know, the gameplay. Assume that out. we're probably gonna over guess the story because Breath of the I'm Wild's not story was much almost of a story. non-existent. Yeah. yeah, it was like, like what nine cutscenes, and, and we probably saw half of the cutscenes in that yeah. trailer right there. So you know, we'll get all Although hyped we'll up see. about the I, story. Like, Nintendo then, does tend to respond to criticism about stuff like that, so it won't surprise me if there is a little more media, media narrative in there. People have asked um, for better, more narrative in Zelda for a really long time. Remember when they did like the weird flappy jaw cutscenes? In was it? I can't remember which one it was. Wasn't that Wind Waker? No, Wind Waker or was that Twilight Princess? Maybe, but they were like, like the shadow, were like the Link shadow needs puppet to talk, stuff, and like he didn't talk. Instead, he just stood there, and his mouth went like this, and then there was text on the screen. Like I, I feel like that's oh, how Nintendo addresses that. like fan concerns. It's like in the weakest way possible. Be. Well, like what was what's his who is Aonuma, um has talked about. He's the Zelda director guy, right? Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's talked about how uh, Miyamoto like was dead set against. Much, too much narrative or continuity in the Zelda games for years and years, and he would like, he, like he made the timeline in secret. You're and, making like, my t- nightmare, Miyamoto. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm the one who has to answer for the timeline and yeah. the canon and all that stuff. And he's like been he's like been trying to sneak things like that in and continuity things and did it yeah. like that. Like that, he's been sort of doing it, going going rogue periodically to make <laughs> that happen. Yeah, and um and now of course the you know the the timeline the rough timeline became 
canon in the Zelda whatever that book was. And I don't think I ever... We have, I, I still mean, can't follow it all. No, I mean, there's, I don't think you're... I mean, it's three timelines, technically, and none Did of it Did you ever matters. watch the Zelda timeline? Literally, the show was called Timeline, that we made at Game Trailers, where we paid, like, crazy amounts for, like, CG for the open, and, like... Probably. I mean, I, Mike Damiani, who's now at Easy Allies, was, like, kind of the shepherd of that whole project. And I was involved in that whole thing from the beginning, the pitch idea, execution, all through it. And even when it was all done, and I watched it, I still wasn't 100% sure about the Zelda timeline. I was still like, what? Like, I don't know, man. So, yeah, I think we place more importance in the story and the pros of the Zelda franchise than Nintendo does, and that can be a problem. Um, But still, another trailer, another step closer to the game actually coming out. Probably, Matt, the biggest reveal or confirmation, really. One is that it's it's still coming May 12th, so it hasn't been Mm -hmm. delayed. Two is it's 70 bucks. Yeah, right. That was right. verified during this direct that it is seventy dollars. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'll probably pay seventy bucks for Zelda. I am paying seventy bucks for Kirby. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did say that it's um, you game know, by game. It's going to be a game by game. Um, similarly, like I mean, but Nintendo does overprice stuff in general. Like Metroid Prime Remastered should be thirty bucks. Yes. Yeah, it should like, be. Come on. Yeah. 70 bucks, man. If, if it's like Breath of the Wild, I get why people Person, like, personally, it's I worth would've... it. I played Breath of the Wild for 80 sure. hours or whatever. It's Zelda. It's like a Zelda or a Mario, a full-fledged Mario, sure, I guess. But at the same time, you know, if I were you, I would have probably waited to my next system to make them 70 bucks. Like, the new system is sort of the traditional where the yeah. game prices pop. Yeah. You know, even like if you're like charging 60 on the previous system still. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not against the price jump in the sense that we've had $60 games since 2005, yeah, which is crazy. nuts. It really like is 18 nuts. years without a price jump. Yeah. Like that's impressive. Yeah. No other um, industry. No, especially like... with the, 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 the jumps in budgets. Although on music these industry, the prices got cheaper. Right. <laughs> Thanks to Napster. Yeah. And it's still not up there with the prices that we used to pay when we were younger mm-hmm. and teenagers and stuff, right. because like those cartridge games were, you know, 89, 99 and 1991 money. You know, yeah. what, what was it? Now it's like $150. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, there was a yeah. big price drop in the nineties, the mid to late nineties when things went on disc. Mm-hmm. Whereas meanwhile, we're still paying 89, 99 for killer instinct fucking gold. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo 64. <laughs> yep. Like you don't even want to know what that translates into in modern money. Like a lot. But yeah. but today you're like it's fine. Yeah, sure. Like I get it. But I just think like if you're gonna do that, the the natural time to do that is when you put a new system out. And the new the the brand new next gen games are ten bucks more because that's how much better they are. You know we don't <laughs> we know that's bullshit. I've seen a lot of people arguing that they're like Nintendo can't charge that extra ten bucks because their games technologically are so far behind the curve. And what I was getting at a minute ago was. Look, if this game is just like Breath of the Wild, where there's like no voice acting and there's no cutscenes, and it it basically is just removing parts of other games that are very expensive to create, I have trouble saying seventy dollars is okay. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I'm with you. On and that. then other, but other people I, I will just say, think... Shane, I'm going to spend eighty hours playing that game, and I'm like, sure, you spent yeah. eighty hours playing Tetris. Will you spend eight seventy dollars to buy Tetris? Like, or, I don't know. did it just come with your Game Boy? Yeah. Um, but again, like part of it, I, you know, part of it is just, they can get away with it. Yeah. People will buy it. People will pay that. That's and it. Look, it's Zelda. franchise from Nintendo where I'm like, okay. I bet I'll you Metroid get, Prime 4 is not going to be 70. I bet it is. If it's on the new system. Yeah. But like, like you're not going to. I bet the next Mario, 3D Mario is oh, 70 Oh, next, next full-fledged Mario game will be. Yeah. But like, the next like, no, I know it wouldn't Kirby happen. Game. Kirby game. Kirby, Kirby game. Kirby game. Kirby game. Kirby game. Kirby game. Next Pokemon. <laughs> 
That'll be 70 bucks, Probably. I bet. And that definitely doesn't And they want you to buy two of those. That's right. Yeah. So anyway... Is confirmed. My guess is, you know, I think probably half of Nintendo's games going forward are probably going to be 70 bucks. Yeah. I would think so. I mean, outside of, like, little things or less proven IP, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of, like... Pikmin's like Pikmin, only 60. Pikmin will only be 60. Yeah, Pikmin you can't charge 70 bucks. Yeah. For. Maybe you could charge... Again, I think once you hit the next generation, the next system, that math changes. Yeah. You can just I'd be okay with yeah. pretty much every game being I think that's probably what they'll do. Yep. But on this one, it's got it's pure, 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 purely. I don't know what I'm saying there. <laughs> In this one, it's purely you can charge whatever you want for Zelda. Yeah, and it will sell. It. Yep. Although it'll be interesting. You've brought this up this up before, Matt. On almost every Nintendo platform, the second Zelda has sold half of the previous one. Right. If there's any, you think that's going to happen this time? I mean, if there's any Zelda that can break that streak, it's this it's one. It's this one. Yeah. And I think it probably will. Also, it's worth noting that I think this Zelda is a follow-up to the previous one in a way that those others are not. It's true. You know, like... Yep. It's a direct sequel. Yeah. You know, Majora's Mask is very different from Ocarina. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Wind uh, Waker? I mean, you go on and on. Yeah. Like, Twilight Princess is very different from Wind Waker. Uh, yeah. Skyward Sword is very different from Twilight Princess. Like, this one, though, is a direct follow-up that has... Uh, looks like it has most of the same mechanics and is an yep. extension of what... And they've never really done that before. No. It'll be interesting to see. Um, is they've really, never really done... I mean, this is... Look, I have my issues with Breath of the Wild uh, and where the fucking dungeons went. But, like, maybe this one has dungeons. I don't know. We don't know anything about this fucking game. I'll tell you what. But if like, it does... If it does, have no awesome. problem paying $70. For sure. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I'll give you 10 extra bucks for dungeons. Sure. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's like a dollar a dungeon. That's exactly. great. Exactly. Well, Pay you that hope, for DLC. You hope there's 10 dungeons. I mean, 8 is the usual, but there have been yeah. 9 yeah. in the past in other Zeldas. Yeah. But, like... Um, this is the first time they've really just been like, oh, you like that? Here's more, but yeah. more so, you yeah. know? And like, so maybe that will make a difference. But yeah, in the past, I mean, I guess Spirit Tracks wasn't super different from Phantom Hourglass, but I don't think either of those games were very good to begin yeah. with. So, yep. Uh, so yeah, 70 bucks. The collector's edition is $130. And all you get is a physical version of the game, an art book, a steel book case, an icon art steel mm-hmm. poster and a set of four pin badges yeah, which will if my uh, xenoblade chronicles 3 collector's edition is any indication come horribly damaged and dented and then they won't <laughs> replace it because they don't have any they don't more. Have more so i did yeah. not bother with this one i'm just gonna there's a new amiibo coming surprise surprise i mean i am kind of surprised but those are, it's, it's amazing how amiibo stuff just vanished it really did and they, like, they can't sell them as fast as they can make them they can't make them fast enough i don't get it well unless you go to a GameStop. Where there's everywhere. Oh, really? Like I went to a game. I went to a GameStop because I wanted to get. I had to get someone uh, a, pre, a a game. I want to get buying physical games. I'm like, I haven't done that in forever. So I'm like, wait, where do I get this thing? Yeah. I was I was, I was actually looking for copies of Midnight Sun to give people, uh, and Best Buy didn't have them. Uh, Target didn't have them. Walmart didn't have like they were gone. Like uh, Amazon didn't, didn't have any. Like they were all gone. And like yeah, I know it didn't sell well enough to be a success, but like maybe that's because nobody ordered they enough because they were all gone. Yeah. Uh, so the only place I could find was a GameStop, like almost downtown. So I went da- over there, and they had every amiibo of the last two years you could think of. So I picked up the Zelda with the Loftwing, oh, like wow. Skyward Sword, because yeah. that. Di- Gone. There were people charging eighty bucks for that when yeah. it came out. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take that. They had all the Monster Hunter Rise ones. Really? They had all the ones that like I didn't even know came out here yet. Wow. And like, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. 
And I went it back to... It seems to have it. faded, though. The whole oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, but part of that is just like, you used to be able to... There used to be a whole rack of them at Target, and now they, they don't order them anymore, so you yeah. don't see them anymore. Saturation. You remember when Target... Like, half of the game system section Target was Amiibo, Amiibo. and Disney yeah. Infinity and Skylanders and yep. all that Not shit? Not anymore. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> it's all gone. That stuff went away faster than the, the rock band guitars. It did. Yep. So anyway, uh, Tears of the Kingdom launching May 12th. It has not been delayed yet. Uh, next up, probably the biggest thing in this whole Nintendo Direct, Metroid Prime Remastered, something that we had talked about mm-hmm. for months and months. It was rumored for a really long time. One of the greatest games of all time, in my opinion. Um, completely remastered in HD. They also... Shadow Dropped. Yeah, Shadow Dropped, available now digitally. The mm-hmm. box version comes out on the 22nd, I believe. Yeah. Which, you, I should note, in one day, topped Hogwarts Legacy on all the retail sites. Really? Amazon, Walmart, and Target, this shot above Ho- Hogwarts wow. Legacy in the space of a day. Because Metroid product. usually doesn't sell. Like, this, this the original did not sell that well. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see remakes of 2 and 3. Um, yeah. I Even if Prime 4 doesn't sell. I mean, Prime 2 did horribly. Even on yeah. GameCube, it did horribly. And for good reason. Well, it was, pri- yeah, pr- I was going to say, Prime 2 is not, it's as, not, as, good not as nearly as good a game. Yeah. Uh, there bigger. are things you could do. That's that. a perfect case of a game being bigger, not making it better. Like yeah. that game's bloated. Well, it's also the it's the the backtracking on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know backtracking is part of a Metro game, but it was too way too much. Well, it had like the two realities where you went into this dark world. And you needed these weird yeah. umbrellas that you had to like <laughs> hide under. Like I was just like, yeah. what the hell is this? Like, that could use. What was the thing we just we just talked about recently? That was a oh, it was Dead Space where there was like the new rooms with the locks yeah. on them. Yeah. My Metroid Prime 2 could use that it for could. the backtracking. Like, rooms you can't unlock until you go back through the, the area yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, that's true. If you're um, going to remake that, that one the way they remade this, that would be an interesting uh, addition. They also added real dual-stick controls like every other first-person shooter. Lovely. But, but what I've discovered, Matt, is that that system that they had originally with the lock-on stuff, it kind of works. Yeah, well, it's built for it. Yeah. So I still use the lock-on for the combat, but I don't use it. I use the dual stick looking for moving. Yeah. Like, that's the that's what what makes that's it. That's what was annoying. That's the the improvement is the fact that you can walk around in the world like a normal first-person shooter. Or when it, when the like fight starts, I... the button to strafe, basically, yeah. in this. Yeah, when, I, when the fight starts, I do use the lock-on yeah. because it's built for that. It is, yeah. But, it's interesting. Uh, but, um, have you found this to be as good as you remembered it? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, Music's it's like, amazing. It's like no time has gone by. Yeah. I do, I do hope they fix a couple of the weird little errors in the yeah it's over 20 years old but like the like the guy who made the game one of the guys who worked on the game was like they fucked the doors up oh like yeah the, the doors have an alpha error where the detail on them like see that how it's like flat yeah, almost yeah. flat aqua it's supposed to have detail on that yeah, it's like yeah. mechanical detail so he's like if you just change the alpha on, on that mask it'll you'll see the texture yeah but like otherwise and there is the thing about how the, apparently they did not list the original developers in the credits it just says, and also everyone who worked on the original for, for the GameCube. Wow. And it's like, come on. Does anybody know yet who made this? I don't remember. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think they've announced the developer that worked on this. I think there may be somebody from Retro who hinted that they worked on it at least a little bit. I don't know. But no one seems to know who built this remaster. I didn't think to look that up. I mean, it should have been retro because it isn't doing dick, man. What the hell is retro doing, man? It has been completely AWOL for the entire Switch. Supposedly they're making Metroid Prime 4. What the hell? Which was, what, two years ago now? (laughs) I mean, they have done hardly nothing. Retro with help from Iron Galaxy, apparently. Interesting. 
There, I don't think the box art tells you like who even worked on it. Uh, Retro man, what a Nintendo disappointing does, Nintendo generation. doesn't do that very often. I can't believe how little output that studio has anymore. Well, they had a lot of projects canceled when there was that leadership changeover about five, six so years ago. But that was so long ago. Like, you know, uh, well, I don't know what the hell's going you, on. Who knows? Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's weird. Rock said, I mean, Nintendo's not afraid to cancel projects. Meanwhile, I got Rock said, I hadn't put anything out for eight years. We're about to get right. Suicide Squad out of that. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Who knows? So many studios that are really talented. Retro, just, I mean, Retro weird. has a long, long catalog of non-existent projects through the years. Remember yeah. all those things they were going to make back in the GameCube? When they first never launched, existed? yeah. Like, that the the head of the studio had that one pet project that apparently Raven Blade yeah. or whatever it was that apparently was terrible. That guy who took all Nintendo's money and just was spending it on mm-hmm. hoes. Yeah, <laughs> he literally was spending it on hoes. He was like, yeah, that you guy. You see why Miyamoto like <laughs> had to come visit a couple times. They described it as like uh, Darth Vader visiting the Death Star when he showed up at Retro. Yeah. <laughs> And there's like I feel it feels yeah. like there's always been some kind of like kind of communication difficulty between them and yeah. co- maybe just company culture wise maybe uh-huh. I I love the story of like them trying to like put like the the bounty hunting stuff in Prime Three and Nintendo's all they horrified didn't know she was a bounty and hunter. they didn't they, no she would never do that she would never <laughs> hunt people down for money and they're like what do you think a bounty hunter is and like <laughs> like well, they were calling her a bounty hunter all these years they didn't know what a bounty hunter was like that's classic Nintendo yeah very very funny but anyway. Metroid Prime Remastered out there now on the eShop, but you have to wait another week or so to buy the box copy version. Um, again, something that we knew about for a long time. It was rumored, and finally it just shows up, and there it is, available for everyone yeah, to play. The rumor was it was finished last summer. So yeah. We've been waiting. I, there was a good chance that we thought it was going to come out last fall. But. I'm interested to see what some of the younger players think of it. I haven't seen it really a negative thing no. so far. I mean... I think you would see more negative if they'd kept the old control style without yeah. any options. Right. Um, because it is weird. You it know? is, yeah. And it, it worked. You know, it still worked because it wasn't a first-person shooter. It's yeah. an adventure game that happens to be seen from that perspective. But I think there's just an... Exp- you know, we were not at the point where, you know... Well, they always presented it, the enemies in front of you. Yeah, things had not been perfected There weren't perfected monster closets yet. where you had to spin around. Yeah, nothing like, jumped behind you. They there's, built yeah. the whole game based upon that lock-on system that they had. So mm-hmm. it works, obviously. But um, I, pl- I am playing it with traditional first-person shooter controls. Same. So. Yeah, I don't see a reason not to. Me either. Uh, next up... Because it does not remove the lock-on. You can still use the yeah, lock-on yeah. exactly how you want to use it. Yeah. It just gives you much more fluid controls, which is only a good thing. Well, the controllers are different now, too. The only thing I the will GameCube say... The controller, you could squeeze that right. the trigger in, and then it would click at the last right. second. The only thing I will say is um, it's too dark, um, there's areas in the game. I know there's sections where you're supposed to use things to light your way. There are areas in the game where I literally can't see it's anything. It's black, yeah. And there's no brightness control. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no brightness slider in the game. What are you doing? Particularly... Everybody, considering how wide the variations are on people's TVs and displays and, and AV setups in terms of how they display color, like, you have to give people a brightness setting. Yeah. Like, it's, that's... I blew my mind. Like, OLED I was, TVs I was Googling in for, like, Metroid Prime Remastered uh, brightness setting. Uh-huh. And, like, everyone's like, no, it's not there's nothing in that my guy because i was like is in the, another menu and then nintendo put it some weird place i wouldn't think to look no there's no brightness yeah, there's setting. no calibration screen when you boot it up where it shows like the two images can you barely see the image on the right blah blah yeah blah. nothing nothing no. like that it's just yeah. like you know there's there's rooms where i just can't see the fucking platform i'm yeah. supposed to jump to yeah so i just have to sort of guess blind it yep uh next up again not an issue for. in the original no it wasn't again we've been waiting for Pikmin 4, we got a teaser trailer for it a couple months ago. We finally get something that has some meat on the bone with this gameplay trailer. Um, They didn't release a ton of information, though, about it. 
they'd show two big new elements. There's ice Pikmin in here, and then there's also a dog. Um, <laughs> called a, it's a space dog named Oachi. And the dog can, like, break through stuff. You can load your Pikmin on top of him, and you can transport large, copious amounts of Pikmin on the dog's back. Um, but other than that... So basically, Miyamoto started bringing his dog to the garden with him. Yeah. What, what no Olimar either, it appears. You can't really get it. You don't really get a good look at the star of this game, honestly. Like, there's it, it looks like it's a she? It looks like a she. Maybe her name is Cheap. Maybe. Peach. <laughs> oh, backwards. Yeah. Like Olimar she and Mario. She sideways. Uh. <laughs> all, all the characters in Pikmin have been named after Mario characters spelt sideways. So. Yeah. Um, the, here's what Nintendo sent me in the press release in, that was sitting in my inbox after the direct ended. Um, you must rescue castaways of a new humanoid race upon the same planet used in prior Pikmin games. There's a space dog, and ice Pikmin can freeze enemies or the environment and a range of new discoveries. You get a space dog, too. Owachi can help with things like smashing obstacles and carrying Pikmin throughout the adventure. Enemies included um, the Empress Ball Blacks and Ball Borbs, plus a tease of a red-eyed ball borb that comes out at night at the end of the trailer. Also, it looks like the caves are returning, which is a big mm. deal for people who like kind of the more dungeon-like approach in prior Pikmin games. And you play as a new set of astronauts, but there's really no... I don't know who they are. They don't really say. And you don't really get a really good look at them either. Um, you liking the pooch? Sure. I mean, I... Mm, I don't know. <laughs> The ice I, Pikmin can freeze water. We, so you, I might be beyond the Pikmin carrying at this point. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Pikmin 3, I enjoyed it the least of all the Pikmin games. I, still I don't played even it. remember it, yeah. really. I still played it, and I enjoyed it, but... Like, Pikmin I get they're trying, to, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to mix it up, give it a new angle, but I don't know. Like Pikmin 2 is the sweet spot for me, because they figured out, like, how the timing stuff worked, yeah, and it two wasn't... Is, 2 is the best one, for sure. And it wasn't as demanding, like, as far as mm. getting back in time. It did take a little bit of tension out of yeah, the game. Yeah, that first game was real... It was intense ...stingy about the timer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they definitely eased up on that in the second one, and then the third one, I just felt like they were like, we don't have any new ideas, so we're gonna try stuff that people may like or may yeah, not like. Yeah, felt like an expansion pack, yeah. in a way. It's like, we're gonna do a bunch of harder things, and, like, mix things up, and it's like, it felt like a bunch of level design yeah. ideas. It looks like that one shot there, they're using some of the Kirby and the Forgotten Land tech. See the... Let me go back a second here. See how the enemy's halfway filled with water? Mm, Remember how the yeah. enemies were like that in Kirby? Yeah. Or you could transform into, like, some Kirby yeah, forms. Yeah, had, like, slosh It had, like, the water yeah. with slosh around it. It looks like they're using some of that tech there. Uh, but otherwise, it's Pikmin 4. Um, it is coming out on July 21st, so not a ton of time to wait, but still yeah. a little ways to go. I mean, it's a good summer game. Yep, it's perfect for summer, I think. Um, so I am excited for this, but probably not as excited now, oddly enough, that it's taken so long to get here. Yeah. I feel like if they had released this like a couple years after Pikmin 3, I might be more excited for it, but... I mean, I think people are going to be very... I mean, when you people play this, it's going to be a very much like looking for what took so long yeah you know like if it's just pikmin again with a dog some people may not even know what pikmin is it's been so long that's true i mean for those of you who don't know all these little critters you grow them they plant them in the ground and then you pull them up and then depending on the color they have very specific things that they're more powerful against or they have mm -hmm. each pikmin type has things that they excel yeah, they're all at. better at things certain yep. things and you have to throw the pikmin onto enemies and they'll attack the enemies and chop them down but really the objective of the game is to collect junk and other crap out of the world and bring it back to your ship yeah when when did pikmin 3 come out it was a wii u game 
2012. So your maybe? average, you're, a lot of Switch owners are probably kids who are That's too young. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know what this. Pikmin is. Yep. I'm a little surprised they're calling it four. Yeah, but for kid, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder so what called it like Pikmin Arf or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. And there you're seeing the ice Pikmin like freezing the water. The water generally was something to avoid in Pikmin in the past. Yeah, you had the you blue Pikmin that were the only ones who would survive in water. Mm-hmm. Now you can freeze the water and all your Pikmin can walk. Yeah, across. that's the that's the real horror of Pikmin is making that one mistake that kills like half your like Pikmin. Like thirty of and your you, Pikmin. Yeah, and you see all their ghosts fly flying up. up oh. And I'm reaching for the reset <laughs> like, button. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna do that one all over again. And the sound too, the me when they all die. Because <laughs> it's a, it's an RTS, really. It is. And it's it's like, a real time strategy game. Yep, and it really is real time. Yeah. You make a mistake throwing your Pikmin, they can die, and you don't get them back unless you reset the game. So. Um, it is there's no other game like it still after all this time maybe for a reason but um no, i would no, love to yeah, watch it quite like it i would love true. to watch a kid play pikmin for the <laughs> first time like i can't even imagine what a kid thinks of this franchise because it's just so off the wall in all in honesty matt really the last thing that miyamoto created of any substance and consequence it's certainly the last like really original thing yeah. i mean so you think about like all the ideas that he was working on through that whole era some of them came out, a lot of them didn't, but even the ones that did come out, like that robot game ended up being crap, like... Oh, yeah, the, the thing that became a Labo thing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the stuff that he had worked on just... We, we Music was not the re- industry revolutionizer <laughs> he seemed to expect it to be. Definitely not, um, yep. They really thought they had something with they that. They did, man. they really did, yep. <laughs> just shows you, no one's right all the time. <laughs> no uh, one knows what they're doing, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next biggest thing in the Nintendo Direct, and again, it was a big one, is that Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are coming to Nintendo Switch online. Um, do you care about playing Game Boy games, Matt? Like two or three of them? Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. There's a couple that are worth Some playing. Some of the Mario lands are interesting. Um, Link's Adventure, but there's better ways to play that. Yep. Uh, they, they've already remade that one twice. Yep. Um, I like the original Kirby's Dream Land. Um, just for instance, you can get through that game in about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not really. Not really. Unlike a lot of the ones that I'd be interested in playing again are not ones they're going to put on this service. They're yeah. like weird, obscure things that no one's heard of except like five people that bought that cartridge that you know, back at when they found it in a discount bin at Walmart and who knows yeah. what they're thinking about. You know? Now you get, so if you're just a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber at the lowest tier, you get the Game Boy games. That's a good one. Demon's Crest is good. Yeah, it is good. You the get the Game Quest, Boy whatever, games. Whichever one that is. Yeah. Now, if you are <laughs> paying for the expansion pack or whatever, then you get Game Boy Advance games. And those That's are the games much that more interesting. most of them are still worth playing if you're into playing old 2D games. Good Lord. Yep. <laughs> and Metro, I mean, Metro 2 is cool, but there's, a again, a better way to play. There's two better ways to play that. A fan-made yeah. remake and the, the 3DS remake. Yeah. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, Wario seemed to have always seems to have a home on the more obscure Nintendo platforms like Game yeah. Boy and the Virtual Boy. And there you go, back when Kirby was white. Right. <laughs> he was a, like a little ghost originally. Well, he was green, you mean. <laughs> hey, look at no, look at the cover. I'm talking about the cover. Oh, In the cover uh, of the game, he was a white right. like, Casper the Ghost looking yeah. thing. And then like after a couple games, he became pink. Yeah. Um, as far as the Game Boy Advance games that are going to be there immediately, and, and both for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, there'll be more games added as time goes on. Um, but or, the Oracle games, those are those are a good one. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon trading card game isn't particularly interesting. What they should put in there is the Pokemon pinball, mm. which was actually very good. Yeah, it was good. 
Um, for Game Boy Advance, you get Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, WarioWare Incorporated, Mega Micro Games, uh, Kuru Kuru Kurin, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, and The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. That's a pretty good start. Those, yeah, those are all solid, but again, not paying for I have all those games. Yeah. <laughs> well, these are, again, these are free if you're subscribing at the highest tier of Nintendo Switch Yeah, Online. but why else are you subscribing to that? Yeah. Well, you get the N64 stuff. the N64 stuff. stuff. Yeah. The Genesis stuff, because the Genesis is only in the higher tier, right? Yeah, but again, the Genesis is better options for getting Genesis stuff yeah. than, than what the limited. That's the problem is the limited selection on these. Now the they on, did add, the like, online play is nice. Yeah, they added but, online to Super Mario Kart. Yeah, well, not it might as well be Super Mario Kart, but it's Super Circuit. But yeah, yeah. you can play online. Yeah, in I mean, some of could, these games, you can play online in the original as well. Could you on the yeah. GBA? Yeah, I definitely played online with with that. Or what was it? It was a DS. It would have to be the, the SP, one? I guess. The yeah, GBA I had an SP. SP. I do. Rem- I very much remember playing handheld Mario multiplayer online, like over Christmas at one point. Because the OG GBA exactly did not have is. connectivity, if I remember no, correctly. No, 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 yeah. no. And then there was what four iterations of the GBA before it was all said and done? Something like um, that. Yeah, well, there was the first one, and then there was the one with the backlight. And then there was the clamshell. And then there was a clamshell SP. Uh, I think that was it. Was that it? I thought there might have been one There were more. variants of the SP. The micro. The little oh, dinky Oh, the one. little micro. Th- yeah, I have yeah. one of those. I never opened it. It's the yeah. Famicom one, like uh, the anniversary one. Yep. I got in Japan. And yep. I was like, and I got it. I'm like, oh, cool. And then I was like, why? Who would ever play like, on this thing? It was just a novelty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that stuff is available now. Um, that was another one of the things in the direct that they announced it, and it was available right away, as the kids like to call it, Shadow Drop. Um, so that stuff's up there already, and more games are coming, and uh, there are plenty of great games for the GBA to keep adding yeah. to the service for literally years to come. The GBA library is gigantic. Yeah, the regular Game Game Boy 1 is pretty limited in terms of what you'd bother to play now. but And that's why you get it... F- basically for free yeah they're, they're definitely they definitely are holding the correct one hostage yeah yeah for sure uh so that was one of the big things and then the stuff starts to get a little bit smaller after that um we got a look at the splatoon 3 expansion pass um the first edition of this is going to have inkopolis and a brand new single player campaign called side order um this is paid dlc by the way um, and there's two waves. The first wave includes Inkopolis, and then the second wave includes Side Order, which is the new campaign. It's a little weird that they're releasing a campaign for this as DLC when the campaign that was in the base game wasn't amazing. It's interesting. I, I'm not sure what Nintendo's thinking. Maybe they're going to actually release a good campaign as paid DLC. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so Wave 1 includes Inkopolis Plaza, which has changed over the past several years with some new shopkeepers. And then you get the new campaign in side order. Um, I have never paid for a DLC for on Switch. Have you, Matt? Um, I bought the DLC for Fire Emblem, the Fire Emblem Dynasty Warriors game. Okay. And the Xenoblades. Okay. And, so a little bit. Yeah. And I bought the Fire Emblem Engage that came with the season pass. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I have bought DLC for... How about the Zelda DLC? Yeah. I mean, Nintendo's DLC generally is pretty damn good. Yeah. Like, when it says we're going to charge you for this, nine times out of ten, it's worth the money that they're Yeah, there's usually a reason for it. Yeah. they're. I think they're very good at reading the tea leaves and figuring out what stuff they should charge for and what stuff they should uh, yeah, make I'm, free. I'm obviously not a, not a Splatoon fan, but, like, I, this seems fairly robust. Yep. 
Uh, and then next up, Mario Kart 8 Wave 4 um, includes a brand new track called Yoshi's Island. Um, it also includes Birdo as a playable character. Um, and then there's returning characters from the Mario Kart series that will be added in future waves. Um, this spring, the booster course pass includes six separate waves with eight courses each, which will all be released by the end of 2023. So there is still a ton of DLC coming for Mario Kart 8 that's all going to release before the end of this year. So that also leads me to believe that maybe we're going to get an announcement of Mario Kart 9 at the end of the year. This is a lot of DLC to I, release. I do not believe for one second you launch the next system without Mario Kart. Yeah, me either. Has to be. It ha- I, and I think it will be. And so I think when they announce the next console, probably towards the end of the year, Mario Kart 9 will be one of the things that they announce. And by then, mm-hmm. they'll be like, and also, on Tuesday, we're having the last wave drop for Mario Kart 8. That'd yeah. be my guess, is how it all plays out. Um, I have not bought any of this. Also, for some I've never reason, even played this game. Mario Kart 8. No. Wow. Also, for whatever reason, this is one game that Nintendo does not send me codes for DLC for. Oh. I don't know why. It's really weird. So I got, like, the Zelda DLC. I get most of it. Probably 70%. But this is one of the games that, that I do not get review codes for. So hmm. I, haven't, I also haven't played Mario yeah, Kart in never, a while. Yeah, I've never... I, I don't really care about Mario Kart. I like, do. But like, I just played the living tar out of it when it came out. And, like, I don't know. Yeah, I never got it on Switch. In. Or not Switch. Wii U. And then when it came to Switch, I was like, okay, cool. But it's just, it doesn't drop in price. It doesn't fluctuate and it's like i don't have anyone to play with and i don't yeah. want to really care about playing online like it's just yeah and like i'm playing playing the single player circuit stuff on that gets old real fast like i just, just there's no place for mario kart in my life yeah it's not Mar- it's not mario kart's fault yeah it's mine um and then there was a couple smaller things that they announced uh botan kaidos one and two yeah, coming out cool. for switch which is an obscure jrpg that i never really thought would be revived at all yeah. it's good, one of those things where i was like the work may not be worth it <laughs> I mean, sales-wise, maybe, but they are good. They are good. good games. Yep, they were underrated uh, <clears throat> gems on GameCube. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 expansion, Pass 3 and 4, they announced. Fire Emblem Engage expansions 2 through 4, they announced. And they also announced We Love Katamari Reroll for Switch. And then the final thing they announced was a demo for Octopath Traveler 2, with, which both of us have played over the last couple days. Matt, what did you think of it? It's good. I mean, we can't really see... You know, the big thing everyone's waiting for is to see how the characters interact with each other in yeah. their stories, and we can't see that because it only covers the prologues of everybody. But did you notice that some of the characters in this, that'll tell you, it's like, oh, this guy is being held hostage, mm-hmm. and so you're going to jump ahead to, like, if you play with this character, you're going to jump ahead to chapter three or whatever. And so I decided not to use that character, and I went and found someone else who would start on chapter one and mm-hmm. played through that campaign. But yeah, pretty much all eight characters ha- are different classes. So, and these little descriptions will tell you up front, like what type of character they are. Are you know, are they a warrior? Are they a mage? Are they a hunter? Blah blah blah. And you play through their campaign, and I chose the warrior, and the campaign that I played is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I only played the first, I don't know, hour and a half of it or whatever, but it was great. Also, the two D HD art style way better in this I, i'm playing on ps5 i don't know what, what version you're playing i'm on the pc okay it looks great no they're doing a lot of cool so a lot of depth of field stuff a yeah they're also there's some jokes a little yeah, bit yeah. visual <laughs> jokes in it where like so i, I picked uh, throne the the uh, the thief oh, okay. girl and it starts by panning down through the sewers 
and in the foreground are these sewer pipes, like and very sharp, like you know, like three D. And on the sewer pipes, close, close up, like the size of my hand on the screen, are sprite rats that are like six pixels, huh. and it's really funny. Like it's <laughs> like these, like it's like a vaguely rat-shaped square running back and forth on this super HD pipe. And yeah. like, it's it's great, yeah. it's funny. Like that's gotta be intentional. This game looks amazing. In fact, I have a bunch of B-roll, but also, we're not, we're not I didn't, be able to talk about it that long. I didn't know this, the the composer for the first one and this one, uh, Nishiki, can't remember his first name. This is his first solo composing gig. Really? He's been doing like Bamani remixes and stuff for like 10 years. Every wow. other credit he has is either as a mu- musician on some game or like an arrangement person or in conjunction with another mu- composer. Octopath Traveler 1 and 2 are his first solo compositions. Unreal. And like this dude is churning out stuff that is as good as anything Square has ever put out. Yeah. Like the music in these games is astoundingly good. I was impressed with the production values in this in general. Yeah, and, I, and I'll be honest, sure. I have not really been impressed with this art style before this. No, this is the best they've ever done. They're starting it. to nail it, yeah, is what they, it's coming down They've to. found the strengths and the weaknesses, and they're avoiding the latter and, and yep. pushing the former. Uh, so I, I played her, and that it was a really it was an interesting like you know opening story, very, pretty pretty quick really. But then they kick you out into the world, and I went up north, and I ran into the scholar guy, who is like dying in the snow, and then it flashes back to his like story, which takes you know it says that was the character that you could not play until chapter three. Yeah. So yeah. In, so when you, I found him in the snow, and it flashed back to earlier, and so I played through him escaping from his prison. Oh, island, interesting. And then it would catch up to where I'd found him in the snow. Yeah. Because you can't play chapter two of anybody in the demo. Yeah. But you can play the demo for three hours. Does it save transfer over? It does. It does. So go so. get it, people. It's free right now. I didn't want to stop playing this, but I'm also playing Hogwarts Legacy, which is freaking awesome. And I was like, wow, I have two great RPGs that are entirely different. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this. How they just, the camera just pans from mm-hmm. the ground down in the valley all the way up to the top of the mountain. Now, eventually, these guys saddle up. And ride back down the hill, back down, like, to the yeah, level. It's, it's clear they can do much bigger environments in, yeah. in, in it now. Yeah, it's, 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 I was uh, I was really impressed with this game. So, pleasantly surprised, I would add. And the um, pacing's really good, and the, yep. and the blocking's really good. Like, like this, this keep an eye on this team. Yep. Like they're these, keep an eye on this, this game. This you could. I mean, I think you could make a Final Fantasy like this. You could, and it would work. Yeah, absolutely. Like, could. You want, like a throwback to six style. Yeah. That's the other thing I've talked about. How I I like how like the old style JRPGs were more of a novel sort of epic tale st- style. Yeah. That's what that's what this game is doing. That's what Octopath One did as well. But like this is feels like they're getting more integrated. Also, there's more more voice acting in this one. Yeah. Like almost every line is voiced. Yeah. Which was not true of the first game. And the voice acting is great. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the production values in this are really high. Um, I really enjoyed the time that I spent with this. It's also coming soon. And a lot of people maybe assume that these games are Switch exclusive. They're not anymore. No, they're on everything. This is on, I played this, this you're watching this B roll. This is on PlayStation 5. So it is coming to everything. And if you're a JRPG fan, it is, has the same combat. It's all about breaking the other mm. character's stance. And once, it's kind of like Hogwarts Legacy, in all honesty. You got to break through and then you can dole out the damage. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty simple. Like, before you choose your attack, you can choose whether you want to power it up or not. And that gives you a whole other list of attacks that you can use. And a lot of it is just figuring out what uh, what the enemies are vulnerable to. Um, and then making sure that you use that so that you can break their stance. And then the rest of your party can deal out the damage. And that's kind of the main strategy. But there's a lot more as you get through the game and uh, mm-hmm. start to learn the ins and outs of the combat. But 
I was pleasantly surprised by this. In fact, in general, this Nintendo Direct mat, I think, was pretty incredible. Um, what letter grade would you give it? Um, I'm actually honestly going to give it a B plus because uh, it's B+. about in there. I did fall asleep in the middle. <laughs> oh, you did? Um, it was not long. Everything, not everything like was interesting minutes, to me, yeah. but like like a lot of the... It had a lot of stuff that was, you know, some long-awaited things like Metroid and Pikmin, uh, but also like it had a lot of stuff that you could go try now yeah which is nice yeah um and i think that was needed considering um the mix of like oh it's coming this stuff is coming in may and june but here's some stuff something to do now so like throwing metroid at us throwing the game boy stuff at us throwing the the demos at us like that yeah that was that was all very good yep uh and el guapo you do not need to play the first octopath traveler it's the same world but it's Every, all, all the characters, stories. all new characters. Yep. So, yep. And I would argue that considering what the second one's trying to do, don't bother with the first one. Yeah. Don't uh, even worry about it. I mean, you could probably find it really cheap, but like if you play the f- second one and really love it, you could go back to the first one and get more. But It'd don't expect it to. Probably be hard to play the first one after playing the, the battle second. system's pretty much the same. But you're yeah. gonna have a hard time. Like the characters just don't interact with each other in the first mm-hmm. one. Like they, they're all separate stories that happen to involve each other in, as party members, depending on which, or, which order you pick them up in. And in this one, they already, just from how they talk to each other when you first meet each other, there's more interaction there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... I think this is going to be the the better one to start with. Agreed. It's going to be a more complete realization of the idea. Agreed. Okay, it's time to move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, just like last week, um, we discussed how Game Informer was doing a huge blowout over the month. Um, on a really anticipated game, Resident Evil 4 Remake. This month, IGN has the exclusive on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and it kicked off its big program. And again, as I said last week, go to IGN, support their coverage, check it out. It's going to be going all month. We'll have it curated on Sifted. If you don't want to go to IGN, we'll make sure it's front and center where you can find it. But again, they're doing great work on this stuff, so try to support them if you can. Uh, But IGN has about 10 minutes of gameplay from this game, Matt. Did you get to watch this at all? Not too much, no. Wow. Also, I don't want to see it. No? I'll well, now you're going to see it. I'll see it when it comes out. <laughs> um, so there is like nine minutes, and I, I watched it with like a fine-tooth comb and took notes on it because I wanted to make sure that I pointed out everything that I could that is new or different from the first game in this footage. Uh, first of all, just a little bit of background. It takes place five years after the first game. And in general, this franchise is situated in between the prequels and the original trilogy. Um, Cal, who is the lead character in the franchise, he's being chased by Imperial hunters. And in general, this whole time period in Star Wars canon is that's what's happening. The Jedi have are on the run. The Imperials are trying to chase them down after Order 66 has been initiated. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are like the straggler Jedis that they haven't managed to round up already. As and, Yoda said, when gone I am, the last of the Jedi will you be, except for like 12 other people. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, in this particular piece of footage, Cal has crash-landed on Kobo. Is that how you say it? Kobo? K-O-B-O-H? That's a new planet, Yeah, I'm not familiar so with know. it either. I thought maybe you might know it, but I hadn't no. heard it. Um, and Co- Kobo sounds about right. Okay. By Star Wars pronunciation rules. And he has crash landed on the planet and he must find parts on the planet to repair his ship, the Mantis. Um, one thing to note is you begin this game with all his abilities from the last game. So it's not going to be like Metroid where you have to completely rebuild his repertoire <laughs> all over again. That is funny in Metro- playing Metroid Prime again where there's that moment where she just sort of like gets knocked over yeah. and like forgets how to do everything. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, you can take a direct sh- direct hit from Ridley, but if yeah. someone actually knocks, knocks you into a wall, you forget how to turn into a ball. Yeah. 
you as Matt, I know one part of this game that Matt loves is scanning. So the scanning of wildlife is back. Um, you use binoculars and you can set beacons using the binoculars. Uh, I guess what everybody wants to know is how do the lightsabers work? And right on cue, Cal pulls his out. Um, so you can use that tool as a pole, as you're seeing right here, but it also can break apart and you can use it as dual wielding lightsabers. And not only that, you can mid combo, right there you go. You can go mid combo and go from a pole weapon to dual wielding lightsabers. There are five different stances in the game total. And I think they show three different ones in this uh, footage that IGN has. Um, one thing you may have noticed already is that this has prequel era enemies. So you see a lot of the droids from the prequels in here, which weren't a part of the last game. Your mileage will vary on that. Some people love those characters. Some people don't. Um, I mean, even people who hate the prequels are probably not going to mind killing the droids, droids from here it. And there. Notice in this fight, when he slashes the enemy, it gets lightsaber slashes on, in mm -hmm. real time on the enemy, which is a, a nice little touch. Um, combat to me, Matt, still looks a little wonky. I was not impressed by who was whoever was playing this. Yeah, I'm guessing this is an IGN editor. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, he also still runs like he's got a stick up his ass. They haven't changed mm -hmm. like his running and walking animations, which I don't know if they're doing that to like troll people. I don't know that might just be how the actor runs. Because <laughs> that was a very common complaint with the first game is that he ran weird and walked weird. And he does it run a little weird. It doesn't look like they've changed it for this, which is a little odd. People Again, I think they might be trolling. Also, people don't generally change how they run. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, you see context everybody can be stuff Tom on the Cruise. ledge there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say, too, is that, like, throwing the lightsabers seems slow. Throwing the lightsaber has never been a great idea in the in the first one, either. It um, just seems like they're not going as fast as they should be going. Like, Well, you're you're controlling it with your mind, so yeah. it's not, like... That's true. You know, you're, it's going as fast as you can aim it, basically. Yeah. Uh, it just I, I have never found lightsaber throws to be useful in almost anything because you're throwing away your main weapon, your main form of offense and defense for yeah. what? Like, just close the distance. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, dismemberment looks much better mm -hmm. from the last game, although there are a couple points in this where it does look a little corny where you slash the head off like an enemy and it looks like this balloon that just landed down on the ground. Um, again, that was kind of something that was an issue with the first game as well. Um, enemy bodies stay behind, I noticed watching this footage, which in the first game, they, they disappeared way too quickly. And this, it looks like they stick around. And again, this is also next-gen exclusive. So this is PS5, Xbox Series, and PC only. This is not coming out for PS4 or Xbox One. Another complaint I had about the first game that I'm also seeing in this a little bit is that the enemies still don't react enough to attacks. And I think that plays into a lot of the combat not feeling great is that the enemies just and again they're lightsabers so they cut through stuff like butter so there's a little bit of that to it but there's it just still doesn't look like there's enough tactical feedback in the combat i don't know how to verbalize how i feel about the combat in this game mm. and how it looks like it's the same in this one how do you what do you think matt I mean, it does look pretty similar. Uh, the thing, it's, you're, the thing about the combat in this game, in the first game as well, you're not trying to stagger or damage things with your saber through just overwhelming it with attacks. You have to work the stamina bar. Yep. Um, just like Sekiro. Yep. And that's where the the more um, the meaty stuff comes from in terms of that. That's new. The freezing time thing. right yeah, there. The force force power seems to be a much more prevalent. Uh, 
element of combat in this, which yep. is good because it was a little a little bit of an afterthought in the well, first one. Well, because now he already has all his attacks, right? Yeah. So you have to kind of pile it on a little bit. And he's better than he... I mean, you had to start from scratch in the first one because he basically cut himself off from the Force mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of Order 66. And now it is smart to start with him having all his abilities in the first game because while you do have a pretty significant progression in the first game, by the end of the the game, he's really just sort of competent. You know, and so you can. There was a lot of room to grow there in terms of what a Jedi can do. So it's yeah. smart that they're doing it that way. Yep. Uh, a couple other small points. I hope there's better things to find than ponchos in this one. <laughs> That's my main question. It looks like though. You look. You got a, a bomber. Jacket. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to make you feel any better, is it? I mean, it's better than the. I, the problem I had with the ponchos is that I never found one I thought looked any good. Like, no, I agree. I, I never found an outfit that I liked him in. Yeah, I agree. Um, BD-1 is around, as you can see. He's holding on for dear life throughout the entire time. It's great animation for the little droid, um, which to me was one of the real bright spots from the first game. I love BD-1. Um, he can still unlock chests, as you saw back there, mm-hmm. and to get you gear. I know Matt wasn't happy to see that. Uh, there's also a clip. I mean, I just want better stuff in the yeah. chests. Like... He also, now he has a grapple hook and a slash hook shot. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a brand new addition, and you saw that on that one shot where he climbed up the wall and it did the context-sensitive thing on the ledge with the droid. I uh, used his hook shot to get to that wall, so that should help with the traversal in the game a great deal. He also can do wall jumps, like in Super Mario 64, which looked a little weird, admittedly. Um, the game still includes meditation spots for saving, just like the Souls games, and, you know, just like the Souls games, you do that, it's going to respawn some of the enemies and... You know, again, it follows kind of that aesthetic in general with how you save the game, uh, which I was okay with because this game isn't as brutal as the Souls games. At least I didn't think it was. No. Um, force pulls. There's one shot in this where he force pulls someone, and as they're coming towards him, he chops them in half. Did you see that? Yeah. That's pretty freaking sweet. Like, hopefully there's more stuff like that in this game where you can combine your force powers. He also gets a blaster in this, and one of the stances is being able to use the lightsaber and the blaster together in combos. So force, pull, slice, shoot, all in the same combo. They don't really show it in this, but that is just information that uh, Respawn has shared about the game so far. Um, You can tame wildlife in this, and they become your mounts. That's another new piece of information that uh, they just supplied as IGN started rolling out its exclusive program this month. Which should be cool. Hopefully some of the mounts are awesome. I'm guessing that they will be. Um, You can force push grenades back at enemies. That was in the last game. But they show some of that in this as well. There's also some kind of a hyper mode that they showed earlier for combat that freezes enemies in place. Um, So there's lots of new stuff in this map. But still I'm struck by how similar it still appears to the first game. Are you okay with that, or do you feel like it needs to make have made more changes? I think it just needs to feel less janky, which we won't really know until yeah. we put our hands on it. Um, it does look like there's less, like, character model physics wonkiness in terms of uh, kind of how the enemies die and fall. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always a, a, a paper-thin aspect to the first game. Like, yeah. it never quite felt like everything was really there. Yeah. Uh, that This one seems to be doing better with that. And I think also, like, the lightsaber streaks being left on enemies helps with that. Like, things that may help convince you that they're in the world. You know, there's a, a, a Lucre Hulk. Yep. The the big ball ship. From, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of leftover prequel tech on this planet, apparently. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, 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 so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but like, like that looks more like something that belongs in the world. Just even just the way they land on the ground with a more solid thunk. Agree. Like, yeah. You know, whereas like in the other, last game, like the stormtroopers tended to sort of flop a bit. And then float a little bit across yeah, the ground. And then the, and yeah. you do that thing that like Skyrim guys do where the arm was against a rock and it would just like Jittery. vibrate back yeah. and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I did one thing I did notice replaying it recently on PC is that they did add a thing. I don't know if they added it or if it was always there, but the the if if an enemy like ends up against something and is doing some weird physics thing, the physics on it basically turn off after about like five seconds. Interesting. So it's it's like they'll wiggle, 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 and then they'll just sort of go limp. And it's like okay, so I guess they finally died. Force pushing uh, droids off of ledges never gets old. Oh no, but I don't (laughs) I don't see a lot of that in I don't see like a lot of jank in that regard in this, even when it comes like. You could tell in the first game they never quite figured out how combat against the non-humanoid thing should feel. Yeah. And it looks like there's a little more, uh, it feels a little more solid, like just watching him fight the big the big frog thing. And but stuff. like that jump down from the ledge there looked awkward. That was a little, little wonky, but it's like, it's hard to gauge that because he's using the force and the force makes, you know, he's not going to drop as fast as he would because he's using the force and like... But it, but even in the first game, like when you you could do the the ambush attack from above thing, and it never quite felt right. good. Yeah, um, it looks the same right there. Yeah. Like, so I have some concerns after watching this. Like, obviously, it was my game of the year. The year the first game came out, it was a weak year for game releases. But still, I l- really liked the first one. And I haven't touched this. I haven't played it, so I don't want to pass too much judgment on it. But what I've seen here, it doesn't look like that big of a departure from the last one. Hopefully, when I put my hands on it. I'll feel a little differently about it. But um, again, don't forget IGN's coverage rolling all month. Go and support them. Check out their coverage. They're going to be doing stuff all month long. And if you want, you can head to sifted.net and we'll curate it there where you can watch it as well. I mean, that kind of response might be exactly why they delayed it a month. It might be. That's the thing. It feels like you could address a little bit, at least with some polish and some tweaking. Yeah. It doesn't feel like something that would require a huge overhaul. Yeah. Sometimes it's just about like like dropping a frame here and there. It is. Yeah. Or yeah. sound effects that they okay. have a big placement. impact, like the timing of mm-hmm. force feedback and the control, all that stuff adds yeah. up. Corey Barlog talks about the key to the making the axe, like return, returning the axe to Kratos' hand. The key to making that feel good was like removing three frames of animation. That's all it takes. It's timing of it. Yep. So there you go. The Star Wars Jedi Survivor. This game is coming out on April 28th. It was delayed like six weeks from its original release date. So not much longer to wait for this one. And again, make sure you check out IGN's coverage all month long. Next up, it's time for us to celebrate Valentine's Day. Matt and I are going to choose or or share our picks for the best gaming romances. Something that we've never done. And I will admit, as I Googled it, no one has ever done the list either. Hmm. This is one list. If you have a, you're running a YouTube channel right now and you're looking for a new video game list to do, probably a little late to do it now. You won't get it done before Valentine's Day is over, but put it on your calendar for next year uh, because it's one that hasn't really been done. And so Matt and I went about both both of us picking two couples, um, and it could be guy and girl, girl and girl, guy and guy, doesn't matter. Just what relationships in video games really struck you and uh, struck a chord with you. And Matt, what was your first relationship that you decided to? Well, my first was uh, this could go with a lot in this game, but it was uh, Shepard and Tali. Um, I also like Shepard and Garrus and Shepard and. Um, I wondered why you chose Tali. Tali has the cutest uh, payoff 
hanging out together scene okay. where they're watching a musical and she starts singing along with it and oh. gets really drunk and is it's very it's very funny. Because um, to me, she, it's like she wears a mask and you can't really see what she looks like. And no, like some she, of the scenes where they're like getting intimate, it's like she's still got the mask on. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's a little weird, but also it's like she's she's the biggest dork, which I appreciate. Yeah, uh, Shepard and Liara and Shepard and Garrus is also good. Yeah, but um, this is I, these are my my favorite relationship scenes in Mass Effect are with her because she's just a giant. She's a giant dork. She's an interesting character, for sure. Um, but I just never chose her to romance because I'm like, she wears a mask. Like, how's that going to work? But then I always wondered, is there a moment where they take off the mask when they're in bed? Uh, well, it's implied. You don't see it. but They it, don't yeah. show it. There's a whole thing where they have to, like, sterilize because you know, the, the, the um, Quarians have weak immune systems, so she kind of gets a cold every time you spend the night together. Oh. But there's a they, they, at one point they in Mass Effect three there was a, a picture on his on Shepard's uh, nightstand of her with no mask on. Oh really? Which was a poorly photoshop poorly photoshopped stock photo of a model that you just <laughs> stuck like weird. They did change in the in the legendary the re, the remake ones. They um they changed that to be a more lore friendly uh, what a Quarian probably looks like yeah. thing. But it was is a pretty cheap slapdash thrown. She together also has thing three fingers. Yeah, they are. They are, and they're they and like they're pterodactyl things. And they're also digitigrade, so they have backwards knees. Yeah, but no, just, she, I found this an odd choice. She has the best. She has the best uh, uh, scenes, like especially in the Citadel DLC. Okay, like, I, I think their relationship is the most fun. Okay. Of, of the options. All right, my first pick is the lowest hanging fruit, most obvious pick ever, but that's why I had to choose it, and that's Mario and Peach. From my very first days playing video games in the arcades back in the 80s, playing Donkey Kong, the relationship between Mario and Peach has kept me going for decades at this point. Mm. And we, I, we do stand a short king. <laughs> it is kind of crazy because nothing ever happens. He goes out of his way to rescue her, and all he gets at the end of it all is a kiss. Mm-hmm. And I think, we, I think, hey, she bakes him a cake here and there. And yeah. we don't know what that means. Yeah, right. That could be anything. <laughs> Probably better if she made him a pie. There would be more innuendo th- there. But uh... <laughs> that's why he's working so hard in Super Mario 64. He wants that fucking cake. Yeah. <laughs> she promised him some things and he's going to get it. He's going to get it. No matter what Bowser tries. <laughs> yep. Uh, to me, this is the love story that has sustained me through gaming from my very first days until now. And I think part of the allure is that nothing ever does happen. So yeah, I always wonder personally, are they going to make it, are they going to flesh it out? No pun intended. Are they going to flesh it out more this time? And then they never do. It is always just this simple. Yeah, I, I don't like, think you're ever going to get a, uh, like Mario and Peach suddenly have a kid. Yeah, you just went through hell or high water and all you're going to get is a little peck on the cheek. It's, it's he, just, he still goes back to that weird little house with, he lives in with his brother. Right. <laughs> and, and cries over unrequited love with Peach. <laughs> um, and there's just a different angle for this too. It's like, this is all, Mario and Peach are also kind of like my wife and I. My wife kind of looks like Peach. I'm Italian. Like, there's just always been this little thing. Like, like for instance, for my birthday card, my wife got me like a week or so ago. It was Mario and Peach. Mm-hmm. And so we have this thing between the two of us where she's Peach and I'm Mario. And, like, I generally Man, don't... What, what a glow up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From the original. <laughs> I generally do not buy her, like, Mario and Peach stuff, but she always does for me. So it's this little thing that we have going on. But it's It's eternal. No one ever needs a payoff. People just happily line up to go through the whole process again. An 80-hour a trip. Oh, come on, Mario. You should be used to that by now. <laughs> to get a peck on the cheek. That's all you're ever going to get. But I think probably it's the easiest pick. 
but also it's the easiest pick for a reason because it's just been a thing for forever. So for me, my first pick is Mario and Peach. What's your second pick, Matt? Uh, my second pick is Geralt and Yennefer. So this would have been my second pick, but because this is probably the greatest real romance in mm-hmm. all video games, honestly. Um, I also loved how Yennefer, you know, in the TV show, I thought they did a good job casting yeah. her there. I should change the lower third. Oh, oh, you're right. Thank you. Um, I love what they did with her in the TV show for the Netflix show. I thought they did a great job casting her there. And also a great job of portraying the relationship that she and Geralt have with mm-hmm. each other. It's this very weird, it's hard to explain, really, what it is about them. I guess both their lives are so damn crazy that that's how they relate. Why did you mm-hmm. pick Geralt and Yennefer? Because I like how they play it in Witcher 3, um, where you know he's been looking for her forever. And like there's a tie-in with the books, where in the, in the books, um, they find a genie, or a djinn. And um, there's a whole complicated thing where Dandelion almost loses his voice forever and, like, all this stuff. And basically, in the end, Geralt realizes that the last wish... It's called The Last Wish is the name of the story. It's also the name of the quest where you resolve the relationship in Witcher 3. He realizes that the last wish is his, so he wishes that he and Yennefer will be together always. Mm -hmm. And that results in them sort of constantly coming apart and coming back together over the course of a long span of years involve and involve Siri and all that stuff. So in this in Witcher 3, Yennefer wants to track down another genie to have the genie remove that magic from mm-hmm. them to see if they still care about each other after that. Yep. And you can kind of go with that or be upset about it however you want to play Geralt that way. And then at the end, she basically says, do you feel anything? And you can either say yes or no, depending yeah. on how you want. And that's a really great way to resolve yes. that situation. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. either, whichever one you pick, it's a pretty good resolution to the relationship, one way or the other. Um, and then, of course, there's a, it's extra funny if um, you refuse to make a choice between her and Triss. And they both basically ditch you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is actually very sweet. This whole s- sequence here is very sweet uh-huh. and very well played. Yeah. Um, they're just a great couple. And I think mm-hmm. it's, at least initially, like, I didn't know if they, you. I wanted them to get together. And it just seemed like this, as you said, like this long, winding trip mm-hmm. of them. Finally, they do, obviously. But it, I just was always wondering if it was actually going to happen, even though, even though I wanted it to happen. From the first moment I saw Yennefer in the game. So uh, there's a great couple. They're a great dichotomy. They're a great team, most -hmm. importantly. Like, they're formidable together. They're better together. Both of them are better together. And I think that's important to relationships. So they're just a great... I mean, they're probably the royal family of video game couples, I guess, is the way I would put it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps that they've got a whole book series back in them. Yep. But, like... Most people, I think, didn't really know anything about this relationship until they played Witcher 3, because she yeah. didn't even appear, appear in the games until the third one. Wasn't she... I thought she was mentioned in the She's second. She's mentioned in the yeah. second, because he finally remembers her. Right. Yeah. Um, and that becomes a whole thing with mm-hmm. Triss, where, like... Yeah. Triss basically took advantage of him, yeah. not remembering uh, Yen, because right. she liked him in the books anyway. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he doesn't remember who Yennefer is. I'm going to get in on this. And so she does. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, when Yen gets back to Kaer Morin, uh in this game, she destroys the bed that he was using <laughs> with Triss there. And he's like, why did you? She's like, I'm going to deal this in my way, and you can deal with it in your <laughs> way. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. Yep, they're a great couple. And... Um, 
that's one of the things I'll miss if they decide to ditch Geralt's story for the future Witcher games. Is... Well, I think they've resolved. You know, the end of this game, this game resolves that. Yeah. Like they, there is a happily ever after in a way you can mm-hmm. get if you play your cards right on this game. Yep. Um, I think we will see both of them probably. You think so? In the, if you do, if the game takes place after Witcher Three, which it seems like it's gonna. Yeah. If you run into Geralt, I'd be surprised if you don't see see Yen yeah, or at least find true. out what happened. Yep. Great gaming couple, Geralt and Yennefer. And my final pick for the best gaming romances is Eco and Yorda from Eco. Hmm. And the reason I love this couple so much is because it kind of typifies the way a lot of people end up getting with their significant other. Some random thing happens, the one has to help the other, you start out as friends. And Another then couple re- with a taller woman, interesting. What'd you say? Another couple with a taller yeah, yeah, woman. Yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> But what what I really like about this is that the relation the relationship between these two, the way they treat each other is actually the way that a real couple needs to treat each other to have a successful relationship. Their relationship is symbiotic. He does things for her, she does his, things for him, and between the two of them they create this great whole. And obviously through the entire course of the game, their relationship mm-hmm. builds and grows and they come, become closer to each other. It also is a great testament. I wouldn't say to love at first sight, but kind of. Yeah. Like they almost essentially fall in love right at the beginning as soon as they meet each other because of course they meet under such extreme circumstances. Um, but I just and every love- once in a while you got to just sit on the couch and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love how it's not like this whole game isn't the damsel in distress. It's not the male taking care of the female it's both they both help each other out throughout the entire course of the game and i think to me that's how a real relationship is supposed to be and how real relationships work Mm -hmm. that's how my marriage has lasted as long as it has is because we're the yin and the yang to each other we help each other in different ways my wife is good at certain things that i'm not good at Mm -hmm. and vice versa and you snap together and make a cohesive whole and i feel like that's what happens your wife has magic light based door opening (laughs) powers and you hit things with sticks exactly um and so that's why i feel like to me this is my favorite gaming couple of Mm. all time um i think it's a pretty good pick yeah but um but yeah i thought thought about this one i thought also thought about uh wander and uh yeah and, There's a bunch of them. And his, the dead girl. I mean, I, I realize it's not a great pick, probably, because you don't really see them <laughs> interact. And then she has to raise him from a baby, which is probably a metaphor for something. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's a lot that I considered. Uh, James and Mary from Silent Hill. Well. <laughs> one's dead. <laughs> one's murdered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then the game that we just all played, Isaac and Nicole from Dead Space, which you're trying to find her mm-hmm. the whole time you're on the ship. Uh, I think uh, uh, Chloe and... Um, What's her name from Rachel from, Rachel from, Life, from Life, is Life is Strange? That was that was right on the fringe. I mm-hmm. almost selected that, uh, but I didn't. Uh, then there's Titus and Yuna from Final Fantasy X. Dom and Maria from Gears. Um, Ellie and Riley from The Last of Us DLC. Mm-hmm. So there's been great couples. Uh, also, uh, Firewatch is a good one because you're like the guy you're talking to her on the radio mm-hmm. and like a romance kind of comes through that whole process. Greedfall has a pretty good romance in it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's lots of picks that you could have chosen there, but I think between the two of us, we chose pretty well. So we don't get a chance to celebrate Valentine's Day here on Game Face all that often. And the show landing on Valentine's Day made it perfect, so I wanted to make sure that we brought a little bit of the love to the show for this week. Um, and with that... Sneaky, come on. What's wrong? Booker and Elizabeth. Oh. No. 
Maybe you should finish that game. Yeah, you might want to finish it. <laughs> Minority said the same thing. No, sir. <laughs> Things get a little sticky ultimately no, there. Not, <laughs> uh, maybe not what you think's happening there. Yeah, you, yeah, maybe he didn't finish the game. But uh, but anyway, just wanted to get you guys in the mood for Valentine's Day. Hopefully you guys have something planned for this evening with your significant other. And with that, it's time for... That's right, it's time for Name That Game. A game that you play against Matt Kyle. I show you five screenshots. You try to guess the name of the game before Matt does. A couple rules before we get going. If you've won already this year, do not play. Do not type anything in a chat. Do not guess. We also put the chat on slow mode, which means you can only send one message every 60 seconds. Somebody last week got burned by this, actually. Don't just spam names of games because it may come to you and then you're going to have to wait 60 seconds to type in the game, the name of the game that could win you the game. If you beat Matt, you win a free video game. If Matt wins, he gets nothing. He gets bragging rights. <laughs> and Matt has won two of the last three name that game. So you guys need to step your game up. Uh, with that, Emperor Dread guesses Body Harvest? No. But I did think about it today. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not this week. Some week it will be. Um, and with that, we're ready to go. But um, does his guess count if he, you haven't shown a picture yet? It does count. It does count. That's a good question, though. Can you win the game before the game starts? I don't think you can. You might want to wait next time, Emperor. I Dredd. think you got to hold that. <laughs> if you want to blow your guess on a comedy guess, I think you got to use that guess when that picture comes up. Yeah. Oh no! Something just happened. <laughs> okay. I just I lost all the images there for a second. I was like, no, the game's over before it starts. Okay, so we're ready. We, again, we have five images. You're trying to guess the name of the game. Don't spam the chat. If you've won already, do not play. I mean, go ahead and spam the chat if you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it ruins it. Like, it could <laughs> give it away to somebody else. Like, it could jog their memory. So don't play if you've won already. And here is the first image. That's a very revealing first image. I usually don't give up that much on the first one. Hmm. Resident Evil 4, no. No one's even guessing. <laughs> I thought this might give it away. Rise of the Tomb Raider, no. That's a good guess. Yeah, it is a good guess. Red Dead 2, no. GTA 5, no. The Witcher 3, no. Dyson just got it? Lost Planet? No. Oh, Until, Until Dawn. Until Dawn. Dyson just got it on the first image. I, I think I was too generous on this one. A lot of Division 2, Uncharted 2, Shredders, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Red Dead, nope. You're the only one that got it. Yeah, I almost said Uncharted 2. Yep. But. It is Until Dawn. Dyson, you are the winner. Here is your round of applause. <laughs> Watch if you had to give away a game. I, I felt guilty the last couple weeks not giving away games. <laughs> so it's like, we can't let Matt keep winning. Um, so I did make this one a little easier on purpose. I wanted like our users to win this time. Uh, here's the second image. That's a saw blade mm, approaching... Mm -hmm two teens who are strapped up getting ready to get cut here's a third image that is the face of one of the ghouls that oh, is trying yeah. to bite i thought it was, it was like an ice cave <laughs> I, I thought i was pretty impressed with that one i thought i did a good job on that one here's the fourth that would have been a better first image yeah it would have you're right here's the fourth image which is the cabin mm, yeah, that they're all staying in if you've played it you know that if you played it you would know and then this one you definitely know because it's the box art for the game mm. Uh, so anyway, there you go. The winner, Dyson. Of the box art was like an hourglass with a skull on it. Nothing else like that. For Until Dawn. This is the box art art. 
Hmm. No? I don't think so. Or maybe this is just the screenshot. Might be the just... title screen or something. Maybe. Yeah. This is like it's, it's key familiar. Art. It's key art. Key is art. What it is. Yeah. yeah. Not the box art. It's the key art. Um, congratulations once again, Dyson. So Dyson, send us a DM here on Twitch. You can send me a DM on Twitter at Dinfire. You can send Sifted a DM on Twitter at Sifted Games. Or you can send me a DM on Sifted. I am at Shane. Hit me up and we'll get you your free game. Congratulations once again. Um, and with that, we have a little bit of time to do some Q&A. So if you have any questions for us, go at Sifted Games in the chat. It'll make us easy, make it make it easy to pluck out your questions from the rest of the chat. Um, someone said the background of the box art is the hourglass thingy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Rafa, Sifted Games, what did you get your, for your birthday last week? Any games-related stuff? Okay, so... I didn't get anything for Christmas or for my birthday or for my birthday last year because I have been asking for Amazon gift cards to buy something that I have wanted for a really long time that I haven't been able to afford myself. And that is a brand new DJ setup. So I'm they call it a controller, but it's really like two turntables and a mixer built into one piece of electronics. And it does a bunch of other stuff as well. It also connects to your computer, so I can pull tracks from my PC instead of having to like put in a CD or play a record. Um, and so it's like $2,000 and obviously I can't afford it. And so I've been just asking for Amazon gift cards for literally like a year and a half so I could get it. After my birthday, I finally had enough to get it and it sold out on Amazon and hasn't been restocked since. Hmm. So I'm like, and I also can't set up alerts for that item for some reason, so I have to go check every day to see if it's got back in stock. So anyway, that is my gift for my last birthday, Christmas, and another birthday from everybody in my family that I know. So everybody, even like my nieces and nephews, give me like $5 Amazon gift cards, which is great, because when I finally get it, I'll be able to send a little video or whatever of me playing with it and to everybody who contributed to the gift. So I still don't have it yet, but hopefully I'll get it soon once it gets back in stock at Amazon.com. Um, from Slagathor. What's up, man? Hope you're doing good. Um, do you have any thoughts on Psych Odyssey, the 32-part documentary about the development of Psychonauts 2 by two-player productions that dropped on the weekend? I have not watched it. It seems like it's getting a really good reception online, mm -hmm. though, from people who really care. Yeah, I don't know if I need to watch the whole thing, but... Uh... I mean, it seems a little excessive. 32 yeah. parts for Psychonauts 2? I mean, I, how long are the parts, I guess, would be my question. I'm, I'm hoping, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, typically, I end up watching a lot of no-clip documentaries. It seems like they haven't really done anything big for a while, though. I'm sure COVID mm. didn't help them at all. No. Um, I, so, don't, I, I don't think I've seen many of those recently. But well, I do enjoy this stuff because I've done some documentaries myself, and I always like to see the approach that people take with how they do them. And I'm sure because of the studio and the head of the studio that made the game, it probably is a lot more interesting than most of them, I would guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just have Tim sitting there to narrate the whole thing, and it's going to be better than most of them. So I will eventually give it a go, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, El Guapo 3385, Microsoft and Nintendo each had a shadow drop in their respective recent showcases. You think Sony will have one in their states of play? If so, any guess as to which one? Hmm... It's not really Sony's style. But I could see that multiplayer The Last of Us game dropping. Factions, I, I guess. Something like that, maybe. But there's no way 
Sony is going to drop like a huge sequel to like one of its big franchises just out of nowhere. Like mm. you're not going to get the last of us part three. unless <laughs> like a shadow drop in a state of play. No, it would have to be like a remake. Re- I mean, like a remake remaster thing is a good call, but what would it be at right. this point? I would, I would say no, that's just not something that Sony really does. No, Sony doesn't kind of care about that kind of thing. Yeah. If it is, any, if it's anything, it's like some indie thing they've got a tie in with or whatever. Yep. JM Rain, as always, thank you for gifting more Tier 1 subs to our community here on the live stream. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Congrim1, Microsoft has issued a statement in response to its own admission that titles entering Xbox Game Pass cannibalize sales. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they finally admitted that it's hurting their sales. Not that they really needed to. It's pretty obvious. Uh, and will sell fewer copies in the 12 months following their addition to the service. Will big publishers be more wary of taking the Game Pass approach? Or do you think Microsoft will eat the cost and offer higher initial payouts to continue this model. I think already the publishers know. Yeah. I don't think it's a secret. I don't think Microsoft has tried to keep it a secret. No, they I definitely know. They know that. and But they generally, Microsoft is making it worth their while mm-hmm. to forego the lost sales. Yeah, and, you're, you're basically, you're, you're taking guaranteed payout versus maybe it will sell this much. Yeah. The like, big X factor is... It doesn't matter where the money comes from right. in the end. The big X factor is, is Microsoft willing to keep paying those right. amounts? That's the X factor. If Microsoft gets to the point where they're like, man, we can't keep floating sales for these big games that we're getting Mm. on Game Pass, that could be a problem. Like, I feel like it doesn't make a lot of sense to not to to put like something like Starfield on Game Pass. Like, like, I guess it makes sense if you if you've run the revenue model and you think that's there. But I feel like you could just go ahead and let people buy Star Starfield. That's not the model, though. No, but I... If they did a bait and switch now, people that would be That would be pissed. a bad move. It's yeah. cu- it'll be curious to see what happens with like, well, by the time Elder Scrolls Six shows up. Though. I do feel like reality is maybe starting to set in a little bit for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. I think admitting this publicly, even though it knew it already, that you know this is hurting them financially, I think that's maybe them like getting the word yeah. out there that, like, hey... Well, I wonder how many like, third-party people like, are kind of like... Especially like the higher-end, like AAA or more stuff, are kind of like, hey... We get a good payout from Microsoft, but then we sell this much on this other platform, or we, would we have then sold that much on this on Microsoft's platform, yeah. and we're not, so we're not getting that extra revenue. Like you know, you you've, it's sort of rolling the dice for playing the lottery a little bit, but like you want you, you know, just in terms of how high risk, like you know, high level management of some of these you know big corporations are, you could see an argument on their end to be like, oh well, we'd rather roll the dice and maybe get a big payout. Than just take the smaller guaranteed payout from Microsoft when we're doing better on the PlayStation, yeah. or whatever. But then you've got the question of like, would anything even do that well on the Xbox to begin with? Because the PlayStation has a bigger install base. Right. So like, I don't know. Like it's 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 a lot of unknowns. I've thought this whole thing was dicey from the get go. Go back and watch any episodes <laughs> of Game Face when they started talking about Game Pass, and I was just, I just remember sitting there being like, how can this work? And I'm not alone. Like. A lot of people have been asking Microsoft for a long time how this could possibly be profitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figure Starfield, for example, you sell that for 70 bucks, you're probably going to sell 15 million roughly probably mm-hmm. life lifespan. Yeah. And I mean, do the math on that. That's so much money well, to also try to about overcome about a game half pass. of those are lower than full retail. Yeah. Cuz that's going to be through sales After in the they've future been and right. discount yeah. price drops. But like still that math that adds yeah. up fast. I mean you you assume that they have some kind of like formula for like how much they get from Game Pass subscriptions versus how much they get from you know product produced copies of a thing I mean, you're or talking digital copies a of a billion thing. Dollars. Um the th- I think the, the the weak link here is as we see here the big publishers 
who at some point, like, it's not going to be at some point, A, it's not going to be worth it for them to sort of expect that handout from Microsoft to be the size of what they could get if they really have a hit on their hands. And on the other hand, eventually Microsoft's going to hit a point where they have enough first per, first party output that they don't need third parties to really contribute their big games to that That's true. effort. That's true. Um, but then you're maybe a, a year or two from yeah, now. But, but then you eventually. again run into the effort, uh, the, the, the issue of like, will the growth in Game Pass subscriptions still manage to pay for what you could have sold through normal retail channels. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the math Game Pass, is on it's, that. It's not just as simple as, like, can we replace the almost a billion dollars from Starfield? Mm-hmm. It's about, can we su- add enough people that sustainably, right. through the course of a year, we're getting that billion back, plus, in perpetuity, we're going to get it back every year. Right. The idea is, like, maybe you'd get $15 in in profit from that person buying Starfield, but in this case, you might get $15 from those pe- that person all year. Right. And then next year, whereas exactly. Starfield only comes out once. One time, right. So that's the, that's the idea. As, that's that's the, the idea. That's the profit deal, <laughs> as Pactor would say. Right. But you wonder, like, them making a statement about this is, is makes you wonder, like, oh, are the wheels coming off this thing, or do they just feel they need to address the third parties because they're not they're not worried about keeping them much longer because their output is about to go up drastically? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's like, tough. We've had a lot of questions about the the viability of the model for a long time, and I think we are finally reaching the point where they they got to decide if it's working or not. Yeah, well, because the rubber's about to hit the road with all the first party exclusives. Yeah. They're finally coming around now, and they're like, I mean, Starfield huge mm-hmm. i mean that's so much money well, it to looks just, like we like, got a date for that now i know but so. that's just so much money to just flush down the toilet and hope that you get it back with your service it's bold man it, mm-hmm. and only a company like microsoft could do it yeah nintendo could never do it because it's just so risk averse and playstation just fiscally could not do it you know, playstation needs that income yeah it just they have the it. the infrastructure with their PlayStation. they have that there in case they need it if, in case that becomes industry standard in the yep. future but i guarantee you they will not use that unless they have to yep they're uh, not even very good at it. Yeah. So, Great question, Congrim. Uh, we'll take a couple more. Cody Carter, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Um, JM Rain, 600 subs. Does that mean that you've given away 600 subs? In the channel, yeah. Wow, man. Thank you. That is so awesome. You're so generous, man. Um, Mitchell is alive. Thank you for Twitch Prime. This is for Vidya Games. What's the next Dreamcast game you want revived? We got Samba and Cosmic Smash in the same week. Huh. <laughs> I mean, what's the fighting franchise that was on there that we haven't really seen since? Like Capcom's like Brawler. Oh, uh, Power Stone. Yeah. I can do without Power Stone. Really? Yeah, you didn't I, like Power Stone? I didn't. Care I'd like for to it. see it with modern tech. I guess. Like, people, it, Power Stone is very regularly brought up as like a, a series that it's confusing that, that Capcom has never returned to it. Capcom doesn't even reference it. Yeah. Like, those characters don't even show up in the background of it's shit. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, you'd think that, like, you would have seen at least the guy in the red coat show up in the back of, like, some kind of, like, you know, the back of, like, some Street Fighter fa- yeah. stage at some point. Um, God, I don't know. Like, Trying to think of Dreamcast. I mean, there stuff. weren't that many good games. No. Let's be honest. I mean, a lot, they had a Ready lot to of there were, boxing. There were a lot of good games, but in terms of stuff that hasn't continued on, mm, I'd have to go back to the Saturn for for most of that. Yeah. Stuff. What was the one? I guess I, would, game I mean, Blue something or other. Blue, Blue Stinger. Blue Stinger. Yeah. That game was so terrible. I guess like. Skies of Arcadia did continue on. They got a GameCube yeah. version, but I would like to see Skies of Arcadia get a remaster, There's or some kind of remake, or There's something. There's your winner. That's it right there. Um, Cinetike, 
Do you think Hogwarts Legacy can spark a new era for open world games that truly focus on loving the IP instead of trying to bloat leverage the IP? I mean, I'll just say this. I would really hope that developers have wa- have watched this game and adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the problem is, is that it's Metacritic. Is it like an eight whatever? Are developers going to look to that game now to be like, this is what we should be well, doing? They're going to look at the sales. Maybe. More than anything. I, I have a couple friends in development who are like, you know, they don't want to give her money. But a couple of them are like, this thing is selling so well that I think I'm going to have to play it at some point for research. Like, their their bosses' bosses are going to be like, make it like that. Like, study why this was a thing and do it. Yeah. Um, And that is going to, you know, because that happens a lot with current big, that happened with Witcher 3. Like, why are you seeing so much Witcher 3, you know, influence? Because a lot of publishers told their developers, play this thing and figure out what the secret sauce is and put it in our next round of games. Yeah. And you're seeing that now. Like, you're you're starting to see that influence pay off in some of these things. I'd agree. Yep. Even Uh, in Forspoken, even though they maybe didn't get it quite as right as some of the others. Not quite. Uh, Vortex Complex, oh snap, when is the Sifted DJ live stream? I would say never. (laughs) like like you guys are sitting there now like i want to watch shane dj and i'll tell you what'll happen is you'll show up for the stream you'll hear three tracks and you'll leave (laughs) unless you're unless you're into house music i'm not like the type of djing i do i'm not like a scratch dj where i'm like scratching and spinning around and like slamming the fader like that's not the kind of djing i do i mix house and the objective for me is to mix songs together without you telling that I switch from one song to the other. It needs to be this continuous flow. So you're like, wait a minute, did the last song end? This is a different song, but when did the last one end? That's the objective of the house DJ. And for people who aren't into house music, watching somebody do that is not particularly compelling. When you see like EDM DJs at big festivals and they're doing like the tweaking and it's all fake. It's all nonsense. Like they're not doing anything when they're tapping like the buttons and they're, it's all fake. It's all show to make it interesting. Um, a really good house DJ doesn't do that. Like they make mixes that are seamless that you cannot even tell that they mix. And that is my objective when I mix. So um, the funny part is if I stream myself DJing, you guys would meet this whole other group of people that know me that you guys do not know (laughs) because they know me for being a DJ and being a raver and being in the electronic music scene. And they know nothing about my life here and my vocation, really, because at one point I had to decide whether I wanted to DJ or whether I wanted to do this. And I chose this. And I didn't leave those people in the dust. They're all my best friends. But a lot of them are still professional DJs, and I just do it for fun. So um, it would be interesting to see that stream, to see my audiences collide, even if for, like, the 10 minutes before you guys bailed, being like, what the hell? I don't care about this. So anyway, probably won't be any DJ live streaming. I probably will post some photos of, and I'll get mixes. I'll start, like, sharing mixes with you guys, because I will start putting out mixes again, which is something I haven't done for a really, really long time. Um, so anyway, there you go. Um, sneaky. I have DJ Hero if you want that. Everybody does. <laughs> it's, the, it's so funny. I have like factory sealed DJ yeah, Hero there, too. There are people who use unopened copies of DJ Hero for like foundation work. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's that bad. Yeah, it's, like I have unopened DJ Hero 2 with the turntables and everything. It's worth $5. Yeah. And that's if you can find someone who'll take who'll it. Who'll take it. Yeah. It's crazy. I uh, will take one more question. Uh, I never scroll down to the bottom. I always miss questions at the end. So I'm going to scroll down and see if you guys have some down here. Um, okay, last one. Minority Games. Why is Midnight Suns failing? It's great. 
that's a good question. That is a good question. Um, I think, in part, it's because it is a different genre than you would normally expect a Marvel game to be. It's also very hard to sell in a sentence. Like, play card-based turn battle card based turn based battles against demons and then go home and hang out with marvel characters looking at stars and hunting for mushrooms like that's a hard yeah. that's not what people are you know you think iron man's gonna fly around and punch a guy and you're gonna get to do that but you don't really. yeah it's more like it's it's a hard sell it's not your usual breakout genre um it, yeah, I don't know. And it didn't get a huge marketing push, really. Yeah, I, was, I saw, like, one commercial I saw, it. like, a billboard, and, like, it wasn't on buses. It wasn't in yeah. the, it wasn't on the NFL games. It wasn't. Yep. Um, I think most people just don't know about it. And the people, you know, I had a lot of people I knew who were, like, like Marvel and aren't opposed to that kind of game. But just it wasn't on their radar, and they didn't think it was any of any interest. And uh, but that was what I, you know, the people I gave it to for Christmas were like, you need to play this. Like, yeah. they're like oh, I saw this. It looked all like weird, just like magic stuff. I don't care about magic. I'm like, just play. And all the characters are in their weird, like gold and black magic right. suits. Like, but they don't really look like themselves. Like, you spend most of the game, like everyone's in their normal clothes. Like, yeah. every, everyone's very recognizable in this game. Um, and like everyone I gave it to, like came back like three days later. Is like I can't stop playing this. Awesome. Like I, I was up to like three in the morning playing. That's what the, it's all about. One more turn. One more turn. One more turn. And like yeah, it, it's. But I just think it's it's one of those things you got you got to put your hands on it to believe, which I think is a good thing to have a demo out now. Yep. But that demo should have been out on launch. It should have been. That was a huge mistake. That demo should have been out two months before the yep. game came out. Absolutely. And maybe that was, it was impossible. Major mistake in terms yeah. of finishing it. But like you needed to let people put their hands on this thing. Yeah evangelize it too like if you really love Absolutely. anything like tell people about it like people always ask like you know what can we do to help sift it seriously just go on twitter and be like my favorite gaming podcast is game face here's the link to game face on apple podcasts that stuff works like exposing people to stuff they just don't know that exists like evangelize the stuff that you really love and you really care about if you want to help it that's the best way you can do it and there's so many ways you can do it now where back in the day you really couldn't do anything think about it matt before social media you couldn't help anything no now you have power you can actually do stuff and make it best difference. you could do is rearrange the shelves at walmart to put that one in front <laughs> right. i would have a kid i would do stuff like that that's funny uh all right so there you go that's game phase 330 happy valentine's day to everybody um and before you go out tonight if you want to have a good time get yourself some ls cream go to creamls.com. there's a store locator there before you go out on your date you can swing by the liquor store swing by bevmo pick yourself up a bottle and have one of the best valentine's day evenings you've ever had in your life and i do hope you guys have a great valentine's day hope each and every one of you have some significant other that you can spend it with um and i just want to say that i love you guys so even if you don't have a day tonight you got shane here who if i could i would absolutely go out and have dinner with you guys or go out and get drinks so hope you guys have a great valentine's day (laughs) if you're listening to this show on any of the podcast services or you're watching it on youtube and you want to help us Head to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a valentine. You can give us a $1 valentine per month. You can give us a $5 valentine per month. Whatever you want. If you want to get all our content early, it's just $4 per month. If you want to just get Pactor Factor early, that's just $2 a month. And we appreciate every single patron. We literally see every single patron that joins or drops from our Patreon. We're not some huge conglomerate where your money just comes and goes and nobody recognizes you. We are the exact opposite. So we'd appreciate it if you could do that. And if you don't have any money, I get it. I've been there. Um, you can give us free money 
just by subscribing to our Twitch channel with Twitch Prime. If you're on YouTube, the instructions are down below. They're very simple. If you've already linked your Twitch account and your Amazon Prime account, it literally takes three seconds. So if you could go and resubscribe right now, that would be awesome. We'd really appreciate it. So that's it for us. Game Phase 330 is in the books. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday right back here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Game Face is up and out.